Hell, I can actually see it now. <laughs> Finally. Hey, what's up, everyone? Those eager voices you hear in the background means you are in for our special big screens and TV streams. In our usual episode, this is a very special themed episode. We're kind of straying off course from our usual coverage of the latest and greatest in streaming and, and movies and TV. So it is Wednesday, November 22nd, 2023, live from the Grand Forks Best Source Studios. I'm Dale Coolis, and welcome once again to Big Screens and TV Streams, a day early Thanksgiving 2023 edition. Lots of good stuff on today's show. Uh, This is a special comparison episode of two classic movies, both focusing on the coverage of of the story of Moses, or or the actual life and times of Moses. Uh, We'll be comparing and contrasting the movies uh, 1956's Ten Commandments up against 2014's Exodus, Gods and Kings. So joining me on this lively uh, compare and contrast discussion, to my left... Victor. What's going on, guys? Happy Thanksgiving. Yes. And I am super excited because this is this is the show, literally, that we give you all that you need. This is what's going to happen, you guys. You're, you guys have heard us talk about movies constantly on the show, but now you're going to see us talk about epic proportions yes. of movies. This was a production. You thought productions today were hard. Think of back then. These were lengthy productions. Yes. You could not mess up. Anytime you mess up, a take had to be redone over and over again until you couldn't even work the camera anymore. This was an epic movie. I absolutely... I could could go on, but go, go. What a great way to tee us up, man. I am all for it. I'm ready to go. Victor's ready. I'm I'm ready to devour. Let's go. in, to, this, in other words, I'm ready to split the Red Sea. To, to, to my right? Oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, that, that analogy, you get a big ol'. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, uh, to my right is Mr. Producer Paul. Happy early Thanksgiving. Yeah, same to you. Uh, very thankful that uh, we get to have this show. Oh, and yeah. uh, the whole reason yes. that we even started this is to have this show is to kind of put uh, some light into what's going on uh, with the Israel-Palestine war that's going on right now as well. So Yeah, I know. Well, we're kind of talking on, uh, I should at first introduce our last guest, making his third appearance on the show. We tried to bring him on here on big screens and TV streams about once a year. So we'll give a big round of applause. We're getting the drum roll sound effect here, David. Uh, uh, another GFPS host from the show Hidden Agenda, Mr. David Waterman. Welcome. Yeah. Wow. Thank you very much, uh, Dale. I appreciate it. It's great to be back. Has it been three times now? I thought it was- has it been three? Yep. Uh, the first time you were on, we uh, we covered the Spielberg movie, The Duel. The Duel, yes. The duel, yes. And then uh, last time, uh, Tom Cruise filmed uh, The Firm. You know, that's yeah. right. That, that was the first time we met I you. I forgot about yeah. that. That yeah, was the first, right. oh, the first, first time, time I met you. Right, so, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Yes, right. And so this time, yeah, so it's great to be back. And uh, this is... Uh, Boy. Well, on on like the last couple of months of episodes of Hidden Agenda, the newly rebranded Hidden Agenda yes. on Grand Forks Best Source, uh, you've been kind of kind of giving them some friendly nudges. Hey, you guys should watch Ten Commandments, a great movie. And uh, me, knowing me, I was just like, oh, yep, yep, sure, sooner or later, what four hour movie? I don't know, but uh, but no, then all of a sudden, it's like, hey, and then then Paul brought up the great idea of, hey, why don't we watch Exodus also, and we could do a comparison contrast contrast uh, kind of side by side, uh, go break it down since both movies are about the life. Of of, of Moses, so uh, what a what a great idea! <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm so 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 it's it, it's interesting to use the term compare and contrast because mm-hmm. it's a little bit it's a little bit like, in my opinion, 
Well, let's see. Do I want to give this away right off the bat? Well, I mean, I guess before should. before we jump super into it, though, I, I, should. I should probably make sure to give a shout out to our first sponsor for the episode before go. we jump Fair right enough. into Good. it. Fair so, enough. Yes. Uh, so we want to make sure to give a shout out, especially with this being Thanksgiving week. Uh, a great place. If you haven't been there already, make sure to go there in time for Christmas. Our friends at Oh for Heaven's Cakes in the Grand Cities Mall, mm. where there's nothing better than treating yourself to some great homemade baked goods, and that's where Oh for Heaven's Cakes comes in. You'll find the best cupcakes and cakes for any special occasion. I know I just got a cake there last week for my brother's birthday, and they special decorated it themselves. I referenced a certain favorite video game my brother's a fan of, and they made sure to put the decoration on there. They had it right to a T, and the lettering was perfect, too. My brother loved it, and he made sure to take some photographs before we devoured it last weekend. It was aces for him and aces for me. So, yeah, we're we're warning you, you will not want to leave because they will treat you right. They're located on the north back side of the Grand Cities Mall, and they're open Tuesday through Friday from 10 to 4 and on Saturdays from 9 to noon. Give them a call, 701-757-2253, or email cakes at yahoo.com. Be a beautiful cupcake and a world full of muffins. That's O for Heaven's Cakes in the Grand Cities Mall. And, and boy, does it smell good oh when you walk gosh. past that. Oh, it was so good. Oh, oh and they got, they got pies. And pies. They and got pies. pies. They do. Make okay. sure that they're, I, I've actually, I ordered a holiday pie there. I got, I'm going to be picking it up there before I head out of the mall here today uh, for one of the f- couple of family gatherings I got to go to. So I yeah. actually might pick up a pumpkin muffin as tis the season. Yes. And so, and so today we're going to be talking about, and as you said, to compare and contrast, yeah. uh, these two films, Exodus, God and Kings and the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments, So. Yeah. Exodus, God and Kings with uh, with Christian Bale yes. playing the part of Moses. Moses. And uh, Ten Charl- Commandments with Charlton Heston. Yes. Uh, so this one was produced in 2014. This one produced in... 1956. Like, over the course, course of several years, I was looking up some background info. Like, like, yeah. it took, what was it, like four or five years to make? I, oh. I, mean, I may be off by a bit there. <laughs> it was a couple of years yes. at least. At least yeah. a multi-year. And, they, and then, and then there, a lot of preparation uh, before they actually started production. But to, to compare and contrast, in my opinion, and I'm not going to give it away yet, in my opinion, to compare and contrast these two movies would be like comparing a, uh, one of the pies from Over Evans Cakes, mm. you know, one of their, say, pumpkin pies mm. to a turd. <laughs> to compare that with, a, with say, like a, a, a cow pie. Mm. Oh, right? God. Yeah. I, I, I said a turd. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say like a frozen, like a, a little quick frozen pre-made pie, but no, wow, no, like no. cow pie. <laughs> not that kind wow. of pie. Well, like just, went, right, right. Wow. What a great be, way to get us going. Look, I'm yeah. not, they may not be fair to the cow, yeah. okay? Oh, <laughs> wow. Hey. David. I'm David. David's bringing it. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. That's awesome. But, uh, yeah, so. That's I guess, funny that we're all in the same opinion yeah, here. No, oh, yeah, yes. I think I, I'm with you. Yeah, even, even the Rotten Tomatoes are with us, too. So, oh, uh, my. But, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I guess background for just kind of setting up each movie, how it, it so both movies sets up the the life the biblical story of the life of Moses uh, an adopted Egyptian prince who becomes you know goes on to uh, you know part the Red Sea and and deliver the Ten Commandments so uh, filmed on location in Egypt Mount Sinai and uh, for uh, the Ten Commandments that's where it was filmed mm-hmm. uh, including an introduction from the director so uh, d- how do you pronounce his last name Cecil B. DeMille Yes, oh, his last his last film he directed too. He, I was looking up his IMDb, kind of doing some prep, and he was directing movies going back to the Takis era. He was he was the silent era. He was a legend. Yeah, he was. Oh, I'm sorry, legend. not Takis. Yeah, silent film era. Yeah, 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 right. He was an absolute legend. Absolutely, he was. Yeah, oh, he, yeah, he like 1910s. He, he, he personified uh, motion pictures. I Literally, mean, he was. Yeah, he was it. And by the way, just to, 
this is not a spoiler alert, but it's kind of a, I think that Ridley Scott, I mean. Director of Exodus. Real, director of, yeah, his, 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 what, a, I mean, just amazing the way that he envisioned everything that he brought to the oh. film. And especially I love the, 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 the tagline, the, the promo line, um, in space, no one can hear you scream. Yes. I thought that was a brilliant tagline yes. for that film. Oh, Alien? We're talking about, is Alien? that what we're talking about, Alien? No. Yeah. That was a great <laughs> film. That was, that was yeah. a great film. Yeah, uh, and, I, and, and, and I think that if really Scott sticks mm. to making films about aliens, yes. he's in good shape. But stay away from... <laughs> Stay away from this stuff, okay? Because <laughs> so. I mean, what a talented director. And then, to, okay, anyway, we'll get into that. All right. So a couple so, other right. quick uh, background facts setting up uh, Ten Commandments. It's been airing annually on U.S. network television in primetime during the Passover Easter season oh, since yeah. 1973. So some of you may have seen it on cable and bits or pieces around the Easter Passover time of the year. Uh, and was, at the time it was made, it was the most expensive film ever with a $13 million budget. Oh, yeah. Uh, for Exodus, some of the background behind that, uh, it, filming primarily occurred in Spain uh, it, with additional filming in the studios in England. Uh, Ridley Scott uh, explored natural causes for some of the miracles in the movie, which we'll get to later. So it, it's, it's a hoot. We'll get there. Uh, I was thinking we'll kind of march along the movie and, and just kind of go, maybe not scene by scene, but just kind of bullet point by bullet point for the general flow of each movie. Uh, Paul, before we jump into it, we haven't heard a, a little bit from you for just kind of uh, introductory thoughts uh, as we, before we jump into things. As far as which one? the uh, Both just as a whole in general here as we go into this here. Okay, well, I'm uh, in agreement with David. It actually took me, I think, four times to try to get through Exodus. Oh. It, it, was, it was just brutal. And I, Paul, I, well, I applaud you because I never got through it. I mean, I got to a certain point and I said, I cannot watch anymore. I just can't. It, the, I, you know, Christian Bale, he, you know, he's, he's a good actor. He, he really dedicates himself. But, yeah, he just... I, I just couldn't stand him in this. I it know, was, it was, too. it was just. I mean, he was like annoying, and he and was. I, and I haven't seen. I, I, I saw the Ten Commandments. I think a long time ago, or at least bits and pieces of it. But I did watch the full length feature, and it is remarkable the amount of work that they put into this film. I mean, I told because you, because I they told they, you. they they didn't have I special told effects you. back then. They yes. had to bring in all of these people, all of these animals, yeah. and. I mean, Charlton Heston is awesome. I I did like the campy, like over the top acting oh, that's yes. in there. The oh, uh, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, for the time it was you know super was, prestigious. Uh, but, but but yeah, yeah. It, it, and yeah, it, it was. You bring up effects; it should be worth noting here too. Uh, Ten Commands did win the Oscar for best effects. Yes. Uh, so it did. It was yeah. nominated for seven different Academy Awards, yes. and it won for uh, it won for special effects, right? Yeah. Because in those days, they didn't. Let's see. I can't remember. Did they use a Mac or a PC uh, to create that? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have computers back then. They didn't do anything it's on like computers. Pretty much all handcrafted. All handmade. All hand done. They used their brains. Um, I want to just—I just want to show you also. As long as we're talking about it, this is a uh, this is a shot. Boy, I don't even know if this is going to do it justice uh, because it's on this big rig. But here is a shot of. Was it this? Yeah, you can't really tell. This is a shot of the. It's really not good. Oh, you can kind of see it on there. Okay, yeah. so that's a shot of the um, of uh, the the crew and the production for Exodus, right? Yeah. See that camera? It's all wired up with a whole bunch of stuff. It's a much, much smaller camera than that. But I just want to, to just give, just to give folks a kind of an idea 
of the difference between the camera that that Ridley Scott shot with and the camera that was, which was a Technicolor camera, camera that they shot the movie The Ten Commandments with. Here it is. See, look at that. Oh, gosh. Look at that, that compared that to what Ridley had I mean, to do it. It's that big, huge honking thing in the background that looks like a I big told you, overgrown Lord. refrigerator. I told you. Well, for both that's eras, these are the latest and greatest is. technologies. They're that massive. That's what filmmaking was. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is a massive. It's like the size of a small. There are actually cars that are smaller than this camera. I believe it. Uh, I believe <laughs> it. So why, why don't we jump into like kind of how both movies kind of open? Oh or let, let, I love it. For our just comparison and, and just kind of putting uh, kind of breaking down each movie side by side. Uh, the first act of each film, uh, Mo- as in Moses' time in Egypt. Uh, now, I'm not going to ask which film does it better for each uh, kind of part of the film, scene by scene, act by act, because I think we all know where it's going to go. But what stood out to you for Moses' time in Egypt for Ten Commandments? Uh, uh, Victor, let's start with you. I mean, I, I, I and you know, I'm going to say I love Ridley. I love Ridley. I love Christian. I love all of them. But, I mean... His time in Egypt in Ten Commandments, it showed a lot more like it showed like before his like very humble beginnings. Yes. And and the way that they did it was it the way they did it from this one to Exodus Gods and Kings, like I felt like that was more of a rivalry in in there's there was something to prove, I guess, in Exodus Gods and Kings. With this one, it showed where he was he wasn't trying to compete with anybody like he was he was much like trying to show some i it's very it's very hard to say cuz he was trying moses is a very unique character in biblical like stories he always tried like no matter whatever he did no matter how much he tried to show people just something something amazing or something something that they need to hear he could never convince them in a way i feel like it's like, you know, when you have something really great that you want to show everybody, it's like you, they can't see it, but only he could see it. Like, he had a specific vision, I feel, and I felt like he wasn't pretentious about it. I felt like his humble beginnings showed that he was trying to lead people to something that they just couldn't see it. And in this movie, I felt like, in, in Exodus, Gods, and Kings, I felt like, I don't know. Like it didn't show it that way. I don't know. It's hard to explain it because, yeah, they, like I said, there's oh, so much. We can feel it. free to spoil as much as we want to. I think Good. a spoiler warning. I think we're past the uh, the the. You oh, know, we the, can't. Oh, and sure. and, and, okay. and, and I'm just and, making sure. Yeah. And, and, Both and movies Exodus, have been out for a while. So. In Exodus, did they have? the side ponytail thing that was going on on their head because that was really disturbing to look at. <laughs> well, no, Ten Commandments, that was Ramses was rocking the side ponytail there. Yeah, yeah. And, and Mo, Noah, uh, Moses did too for a while, but I mean, I think that they got that from archaeological, mm. you know, from actual pictures that they have because there was a lot of stuff from that era that was, you know, painted or inscribed or engraved on stones or whatever. Here's, here's the thing. When you, when a filmmaker endeavors to portray the life of someone mm. it could be anyone i mean yeah. it doesn't matter who it's just a normal guy yeah. like like if someone wants to do a story on uh jackie robinson mm. or wants to do a story on uh you know the, the first guy that went to the moon whatever or how really uh, scott's in the story of uh napoleon that's actually opening yeah. napoleon right exactly <clears throat> there's always this question of how much material is there that we can use to give an accurate portrayal yeah. of, of what happened, mm-hmm. uh, who that person really was. And how much are we going to have to kind of fudge? How much are we going to have to kind of fill in 
the gaps that we don't have record of, right? And and you would think that that would be the goal of any filmmaker, but it's not. Even actors, I don't remember what the movie was, but years ago, there was someone that was portraying the real-life story of someone. I don't remember who it was. It doesn't matter. And someone interviewed this actor, and they said, so did you really... So how, many, how did you know? I mean, did you cite their man, mannerisms or read their diary or whatever? And, and his response was like, no, I, no I, I'm bringing my interpretation of who, he, of who he is to the film. That's my job as an actor, to bring my interpretation. And I'm going, well, no, wait a minute, buddy. This is not just a script, right? No. Your job as an actor, if you have a made-up character, is to interpret who that character is. What are they like inside? How do they yeah. feel? How do they think? How do they act? Yeah. But if you're portraying an actual person, a real life person, your goal should be figure out who that person is, right? Mm -hmm. And then portray them. Yeah. So, uh, and it's the same thing with a writer, with a director. If they're going to be portraying the real life of someone, then they should learn as much as they can. I'll I'll give you a perfect example of someone who did that extremely well. Um, I don't think that Will Smith is the greatest actor on the planet, but he's a good actor. Mm. And when I saw the movie Concussion, I said, that was brilliant. In yeah. fact, I think it was one of Will Smith's uh, defining moments as an actor. I watched that movie for 10 minutes mm. before I knew it was Will Smith. Mm. He so embodied and, and portrayed the role of the doctor. I don't remember uh, his last name, Oyolo or whatever his name is. Mm. Oh, you uh, got it, right? Yeah. So well that I thought that it was someone else. I mean, he, he didn't sound like Will Smith, didn't talk like Will Smith, didn't move like Will Smith. He acted and talked and moved like the doctor who he was portraying in the film. And it turns out the doctor was actually there on the set. Uh. He was there as a technical advisor because it's his story. Uh. And so Will Smith got to actually say, hey, how would you say such and such or whatever? He could have him say it and then he could make sure he gets exactly... Mannerisms, mannerisms, You know, and to to what you're saying, though, and obviously, you know, Moses wasn't there on set for, for them to... But I think what uh, Victor was trying to get at uh, is that uh, Charlton Heston's portrayal of of Moses makes it seem like that would be somebody that you would follow. Where yes. Christian Bale's, yeah. it, he just ex- seemed ex- like a prick. He was a sissy, ex- ex- and he was exactly. just a jerk. Exactly. He was, yeah, he was, he was just unlikable. He was, and he looked like a 21st century metrosexual guy who suddenly plunked in the middle of what four thousand yeah. years ago i, I was reading behind the scenes interviews with christian bale at, at, when they were building up to the movie and he had his his thoughts of moses a person were very controversial uh he just pretty much saying he was like one of the most barbaric he stated something along the lines of his paraphrasing i don't got the quote in front of me but uh he stated that, that moses he thought was one of the most barbaric people he ever thought which is not, which is, I, I love christian but that that's very well, but but you, but you know what it, if he if all he did was read the script yeah i can see how we got that idea yeah. yeah so here's the thing i was talking about if you're portraying a real person but when a filmmaker undertakes to make a film that represents something in holy scripture now we're talking about an entirely different level yeah. of responsibility and, and entirely different level and going into the ten commandments i mean it, it was so interesting because right at the very beginning of the movie, they actually introduced the movie yeah. saying this is going to be the story that we're portraying. Yes. What would they call it? The um, Now I'm drawing a blank on it. The, it, it was... Introduction? Or what? It, it, the introduction from the director? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because... Or during had, the Ten Commandments? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I can't remember what they called the it. The prologue? Yeah. 
Yeah, like, the epilogue. Yeah, the prologue. Yeah, the, the beginning. Yeah, the prologue. Yeah, that's what they were. Yep. And so you know, so it almost came across as like a play that mm. was featured as a, a full feature movie, mm. and the f- way that they actually follow along the storyline because yes. I never even realized it, but I mean, you uh, talked about it on Hidden Agenda. The first person to see Moses was that little girl in that uh, was in the river. Uh, I can't remember her name now. Um, Sorry. You mean the, the, the woman, the young woman? The, the, yeah, the Bithi, uh, or Bithia? No, Bithia? Okay, yeah. yeah. Bithia, right. Yeah, yeah and okay. so that was, and she, you know, and so I'm like, they followed it to the T in the Ten Commandments. Yeah. I don't even remember that person in Exodus. That scene wasn't, yeah, yeah. Well, they skipped the, or the entire part yeah. for uh, Exodus. They don't even cover uh, them discovering. Where he came from. Yeah, the, yeah, where he came from in the Nile, them shipping him, uh, uh, shipping Moses out uh, from his homeland I, to avoid being executed from uh, Pharaoh's order. I think, and, I think more of it was, because the funny thing was, the difference between that one and this, this was to show what happened when you disobeyed. And, th- and that's what I liked about, of course, Ridley's version of this. This is what happened, and, if all, and I'm sure all of you have seen it, where when he disobeyed God and he told him this is what was going to happen if you didn't follow. Because his – even Christian Bale, and I know he plays a lot of intense roles, but this one, this one I felt like was for him to show him like – you got to follow this man like this is this is the way and when he didn't follow it like oh my gosh like you name it like there was disease there was grossness there was famine there was things that but, he didn't really but, know but the problem was that that's not the story i know it's not that's the story yeah. i mean that's somebody else's well, idea it, that, it is. that's a totally fictitious i mean it's 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 a perversion yes. of what really happened. Yes. And that's what bothers me because it bothers me enough when, when someone's trying to do a documentary of someone's life yeah. or somebody's something that they did. If yeah. someone does a movie on JFK, yeah. you know what? If I watch that movie, I want it to be as accurate as humanly possible. Yeah. That's what I like. When I go to see a movie that's is based on a true story, yeah. I want to see as, as much of the yeah. true story as I can, which I think that they did beautifully in the movie uh, uh, Concussion. Yes. But, but in this, and, and by the way, Cecil B. DeMille's in the prologue, here's the quote. This is a quote, not the entire thing, but here's a quote from him. He said, our intention was not to create a story, but to be worthy of the divinely inspired story created 3,000 years ago, the five books of Moses. Yeah. So his goal, and which is why they consulted Josephus and Philo and other historians from that time so that they could make it as accurate as possible. Now, you know, what happened, what conversations there were between uh, Bithia and, and um, uh, what's her name, the, the, the Hebrew slave that worked for, uh, oh. uh, what's her name, um, uh, Memnet, uh, or, the, yeah. or any of those characters. We don't know that. That's not written in Scripture. Right. But here's what we do know. Um, <clears throat> here, I'll just, I'll just read, just, just to put this in context, the opening scene from the Ten Commandments, which was completely left out of... Exodus, this yeah. abortion of a film. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, now, from, from the... Uh, I'll try to keep my opinion to no, myself. No, it's all good. It's all uh, good. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Go, I love it. Now, from, a house, from the house of Levi, went, uh, a man from the house of Levi went and married a, a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bore a son. And, he sh- and when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a wicker basket and covered it over with tar and pitch, and she put the child into it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. 
and his sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh, Bithia, came down to bathe at the Nile with her maidens walking alongside the Nile. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid, and she brought it to her. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the boy was crying. And she had pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. She knew that right away. She knew it was one of the Hebrews' children. And she said, Then his sister called to Pharaoh's daughter, his sister, Moses' sister, called to Pharaoh's daughter and said, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women so that she may nurse the child for you? Because guess what? Bithia wasn't lactating because she had no children. So she couldn't feed him. She had no milk to give him. So the sister of Moses says, Should I go call a, one of the Hebrew women to nurse him for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go ahead. So the girl went and called the child's mother. The Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I shall give you your wages. So the woman... T- so now, so here's the thing. Pharaoh had issued an edict that all the male children that were born uh, must be killed because he was afraid. He was afraid that the Jews would, would increase and that they would help out their enemies if there was ever a war against Egypt. And so, uh, so he said, you've got to kill these women. And he, and he said this, he said... Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, "Everyone who is born, who was every son who was born, you're to cast into the Nile, and every daughter you're to keep alive." So that was Pharaoh's command. So all the Hebrew children, boys, are to be thrown into the Nile. So really, Moses's mother kind of obeyed him. I mean, he put him in the Nile. <laughs> he cast yeah. him in the Nile. Just happened to be in a basket. Yeah, and Tec- floated yeah, the Nile be, If you're being technical <laughs> about it, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, right. If you think about it. So so then. So get this, not only did no, none Moses, of that in Exodus. <laughs> not only did mother, Moses' mother save his life, but because she's honoring God, she's not going to kill her child. She actually ended up getting paid to nurse her own son, <laughs> which is pretty cool, I think, right? Because Pharaoh's daughter paid her to nurse her son for her. So as the child grew. Uh, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she named him Moses. You know why she named him Moses? Because, here's what she said, she she named him Moses and said, because I drew him out of the water. You know what the the name, back then names meant something. You know what Moses means? It means drawn out of the water. That's what it means. The word Moses literally means drawn out of the water. That's what his name meant. So no one had to say, where'd he come from? He's drawn out of the water. That's what what it meant. (laughs) Literally, right. Yeah, so I guess speaking of you know Moses' time in Egypt, it in you know it kind of really goes through the punches there, like kind of being very very to to the T to the Bible, like you guys said. I don't want to say exactly to the T because I'm not exactly up to speed on my my Bible history. I, I, I grew up in a parochial school, so I got a general knowledge base of it. But as I was watching Ten Commandments, I'm like, all right, yeah, this seems as historically accurate as I remember or accurate to the Bible. But Exodus, I'm like. Why are they starting the movie off with them all grown up in, uh, already in Egypt, Prince going into battle with Ramses by his side? I don't know if really Scott was thinking, you know, all right, let's start it off with a lot of action to get people invested, get them hooked in. While it took a while to even, th- there really is no like Egyptian war battle. They they kind of show them like kind of uh, like uh, uh, Moses trying to win over Pharaoh uh, with him trying to construct him his like a uh, tribute town from the new uh, Ethiopia they conquered. Well, and, yep. and when ahead. you, oh, I'm sorry. No. I, well, but like, you know, Ridley, and he's known for 
war scenes as you yeah. saw like and you all know you know his time on gladiator so of course taking that and putting it in this and much like david said when you're doing a movie like this you kind of think well what am i going to put in this that people are probably not going to figure out or have ever read the you know the bible or anything like that yeah and much much like dale i am not up to my history of bible it's been a long time uh, since i've read the bible but i know a lot of about it and there was no battle there was not uh especially in the original tale that it was which was kind of i love ridley but yes there was no battle there was no violence in this yeah so 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 the, the here's the here's the problem and this is what bothers me i think the most is that um, the story in scripture is phenomenal. Yes. I mean, it is a phenomenal story. Uh, Cecil B. Mill, I think, did a fantastic job of reproducing it in his movie, The Ten Commandments. Really, Scott didn't even try. I mean, really did... What was the movie? What was the other movie he did? Uh, the Kingdom of God. Oh, oh, Kingdom of Heaven. Kingdom of Heaven. Thank you. Yeah. Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah. And, and I, from what I know of that film, when I saw that film... Mm. He, massive, I mean, epic battle sequences yes. in that film, right? Vic varied. He did real research. I, I mean, he apparently read many, many books to try to get the understanding of of what the Arabs were doing and what the the the, the Crusaders were doing. There were two different, you know, Christian components, two different, you know, the warring ones. The anyway. So there's a battle within Christendom itself, and then they're battling, they're fighting against the Arabs. And I think that he did a, 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 a relatively accurate job of, of telling that story. But when it came to Exodus, which is even a more phenomenal story than Kingdom of Heaven, mm. he totally goes off the farm. I mean, he's, he's so far out in left field. He, he's making up stuff. The only thing that really that, that matched... The biblical story was uh, one guy was named Moses, mm-hmm. and he was dealing with a guy named Pharaoh, who was Pharaoh, right, and Ramses, and, uh, and then some stuff happened. But, but what actually happened, yeah, clearly— Varies different, greatly, varies yeah, greatly. <laughs> clearly, Ridley tries to come up with natural— read, Yeah, well, the, the fish died because these massive crocodiles ate all these, well, these fishermen, and then the blood— Spread and then it killed the fish, and then the fish. Yeah, the way you portrayed the flag. The Ten Commandments is follow it. it, Like if I was reading a book to my kid, yeah, like that. That's the Ten Commandments. It 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 has a story. It has a plot behind it. It has has acting and and all these great things behind it. Exodus would be more like me playing a video game with my kid because all it is is it's just special effects. It is right. You know, I mean, I think most of the time that like Ramses and. Moses and Exodus, they're more like talking like they're brothers. You're right. Yeah. And that's, yeah. That's, and that's what they were. Yeah. And, and the funny thing yeah. is, like, like David said, when you're doing a movie, and this is, you know, this is the same as, as he said with Concussion, it's this. And, and funny thing that you said that because Johnny Depp, when he did uh, Black Mass, when he played Whitey Bulger, when you're playing a real life person, like, it's easy because. Your, you know, as he said, it's their lives, not ours. So we yeah. need to be as authentic yeah. as we possibly yes. can. Yes. Right. And what I was trying to kind of say to that, too, is that so in the Exodus one, it's like they tried to take little pieces of the story yeah. so they could so they could. 
build up to the next big special effects scene of, <laughs> yeah. of like the locus yeah. or whatever right. it focus is. Focus on the next big show. Piece. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Yeah, Good a thousand point. percent. Yeah. With no concern about yeah. whether or not it's historically accurate. Yeah. yeah. And in Ten Commandments, I mean, one of the things, I mean, me, me and my wife were even looking at, like, this came out in, what it was, in 56? the 50s? 56. 56. Yeah. How did they even get, you know, the, uh, the fog of death? Yeah, to come in and and do that. I mean, how right. do they even do that well, kind of special I, effect? I don't back know. Then? Were were, right. fog, were fog machines a thing back then, or did they have like early prototype yeah, fog thing, machines back yeah, then? Yeah, but what Paul's talking about yeah. is this green, yeah. this green fog that snaked around and actually went where it wanted to go. That was representing a spiritual entity, the the angel of death, going in. And yeah, how do they do that? If that I were to guess, I have fog. no idea. Well, fog like, machines were a thing back then, and then they kind of handcrafted, like animated. Frame by frame, well, the green over it. Well, That's, like, I'm just speculating. Yeah. Well, mo- most of the time, because because uh, Stanley did this in 2001, a space odyssey was that they would they would put an image. So, like the first part of you know, the movie, you'll see is that they had the actors on a, st- a stage, and unlike this one, they didn't. You know, they had them on a stage. The and the camera, how they did it was so bizarre. So imagine this is a camera, and there is a frame of the picture that you're trying to like the landscapes so they take go to lo- real locations but because stanley couldn't didn't want to fly you know over there because yeah. he's afraid of flying right. he would have people take his camera go to real locations take the frame of what you're doing put it on the th- thing and then just kind of like project it onto it because it just shows the real life thing and it's like you're right there with it. And, of course, they would have, you know, people do just like painting of everything. And they would build sets and everything to make it look like you are actually there as the projector is going on. Because you're not – because this isn't like – this is the real thing here because it's the picture that's projecting out of it. So you're having the sets. You're having the projectors. It's like you're really there. Replica sets. Yeah, kinda. exactly. So it's like you're really there. That's why I said – you know, as I've said on this show many times, everyone, this – I'm sorry. I love you, Ridley. But <laughs> as he showed, as David showed with cameras, cameras now, I mean, as Martin Scorsese said, you can make a film out of your phone, yeah. like a little doorknob of a film, that easy. These guys had to work with big like oh. huge, you know, SUV cameras. Yeah. Like imagine carrying like that like pounds. every like every time. Every like, shot. Yeah, like every literally. Shot. Like you had to carry that. You would literally be exhausted. And, they, and they also had to design the sets. And, yes. And yep. there are people that are painting them, people that are building them. I mean, you got a, an entire construction crew just to oh. design a set. Yeah, you know, it was. I'm, it was. Yeah. Right. The labor, as oh, yeah. Victor points out, was massive compared to what they do today, which today they can build a set in a computer, right? Shoot yeah. it on a green screen or a blue screen. I, I want to point, you, you weren't going to go scene by scene, but I do want to talk about one scene and just compare a scene between the Ten Commandments and, and this other film uh, where Moses kills the Egyptian, mm. right? Oh, right, right. So in the film uh, Exodus, Moses, the guy playing Moses, is leaving the house of, I guess, where he was born, right? And, and or no, he's going to, well, he went to see someone in the Jewish quarter, and he's oh. going down this kind of this alley where the, this, the, the, the buildings are really close to each other. And, uh, and there are a couple of Egyptian guards there. And one of them says, hey, you, hey, and he, he, he grabs him and he turns around, and Moses kills these two guys, oh. right? Then he moves on, and he goes back to Pharaoh. And, and then later, it turns out that they figure out that he was the one that killed them. And because of that, he's got to now run away, right? Okay, that's, 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 Exodus. that's this yeah. film. 
In this movie, they made up this little story about a stonecutter named Jethro who was uh, who was in love with this young woman who was a water girl, you know, giving water to the slaves as they're making bricks for Pharaoh. And, uh, and then the master builder um, hey call, takes her to his house. He's going to make his little harem with her. And, 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 and Jethro was trying to protect her. So he goes to the master Dathan, builder. Dathan, I think his name was in Ten No, Dathan, oh, was the, Dathan was not the master builder. The master builder was... Uh, oh, not the master builder, but the guy who's, who kind of plays... I'm getting He's, I'm the, getting he's the Weasley guy yeah, the Weasley who's guy. watching every... He turns in his own people because he yep. was also Jewish. Um, and so... So anyway, uh, Jethro goes in um, to, uh, or excuse me, um, no, what did I say his name was? Jacob. Yeah. No, no. Where is Joshua? Joshua. 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 Yeah, Joshua. So many names. I was going to say, wait a minute. Yeah, there's so many names in this movie. <laughs> right. Joshua goes in. He kills the master builder and sets his wife free. But, but what happens, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's not the way it happened at all. The master builder takes Joshua, who's trying to set his... He, he does. He sets his girlfriend free. She runs off. And, and the master builder takes Joshua, stretches him between two pillars in his, out in his courtyard or something, and he's going to whip him to death, right? And Moses shows up, and he kills the master builder, which he calls the master butcher. And then later it becomes known that Moses was the one who killed him, and so now he's got to flee and he leaves and he flees to Midian. <clears throat> Here's the story. Here's the account given in Scripture. In those days, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his brethren, in other words, the Hebrews, and looked down on their hard labors, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. Mm. So this probably took place in the mud pits, right? Because he's looking at their hard labor. He sees an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews, so he looked this way and that. You know that look, right? Uh. Anyone watching, right? Uh. Yep. He yep. looked this way and that. Be discreet. <laughs> and when he saw that there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. Uh. So that's what happened. That's what really happened. And he went out the next day, and behold, two Hebrews were fighting with each other. And he said to the offender, Why are you striking your companion? But he said, who made you a prince or a judge over us? Are you intending to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and said, surely the matter has become known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the, prince, from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. This scene was also in this film, The Ten Commandments. And now the priests of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to the to draw water and filled the troughs with water to water their father's flocks. Then the shepherds came and drove the girls away. Oh, yep. But when Moses stood up and helped them, so in other words, he, he fended off these shepherds mm. so that the women could come back and, and water their flock, and that's what they did. And then when it came to rule the... And so, anyway, so that's how he met. And then, then uh, he said, why have you come back so soon? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. These are the girls, the daughters, telling their father. An Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And what is more, he even drew water for us and watered the flock. And then he said to his daughters, where is he? Why have you left him, the man behind? Invite him in. Bring him in. Let him have something to eat. And Moses was willing to dwell with them. And the man gave his daughter Zipporah 
to Moses, and she gave birth to a son. He named him Gershom, for he said, I've been a sojourner in a foreign, in a foreign land. So <clears throat> that's the biblical account. Very similar to what is described. No, I was going to say, uh, maybe not like 100%, but I'd say like, what, 90, 95%. Oh, yeah, right. By the way, it just hit me too. Um, so at the beginning, uh, it, they called it the overture, I'm pretty sure. Overture. Right. Oh, well, that's the music. Mm. Right? The oh, music yeah. So, the, right. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's when they're running musical rolling overture. the credits. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, the, yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, no, um, there's so much more I want to dive into here, but we are due for our next break here. Yeah. I, I got so many branches to cover off this uh, opening app before we move on to the rest of the film and from what David just covered here, too. But we definitely got to give a shout out to our friends at Northwest Tire, where for tires, work on your tire, and so much more, make sure to visit Northwest Tire on Gateway Drive. They are North Dakota's largest tire dealer. They're family owned and operated for over 40 years. From big to small, Northwest Tire does it all. For all the big-name brands like Toyo, Nokian, Bridgestone, Firestone, and so much more, give Chad Hoff and the crew a call at 701-780-8473 to schedule your next appointment. That's Northwest Tire on Gateway Drive in Grand Forks, helping you get the perfect tires for whatever you drive. Northwest Tire keeps you rolling down the road. I perfect. love that jingle. Perfect. Oh, I love that jingle. That's so, so catchy. So... A couple of things that stood out for me from this opening act. We're kind of transi- transitioning here now to like the in between setting up the second act, where we're just saying it where Moses meets his uh, significant other, and, and 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 the movie moves on from there. His wife. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I feel bad. I'm blanking on his wife's name off the top of my head, but uh, Sephora. Sephora. But like his uh, his first love interest in the film is focused on significantly in in Ten Commandments, where in Exodus she's a very very minor background character in the final act, and she's not a, nowhere to be seen in the first two acts of uh, of Exodus. But uh, Nefertiri, and there's a big love triangle that's a big focus of the first hour and a half of the film of the Ten Commandments. How do you feel? How how do you feel how that was portrayed uh, compa- uh, in both films? There. Well, I think that's it was interesting because Nefertiri is not mentioned in scripture. Right, so she's a character that we don't know. I mean, was if, it like a creative license kind of thing for Ten I, Commandments? I, I think it was. I mean, they have the you know what what Philo wrote about that, uh, what uh, any other historian wrote about that, Josephus. I, I don't know because I haven't read those books. That book was you know there was there was a book called uh, Prince of Prince of Egypt, I think. Yes, and that that was also made was, into an animated feature as well. It was, but that book was actually written like in the eighteen. 18- 50s or 90s or something mm-hmm. like that. And, and that was one of the books that Cecil B. DeMille used like four different, in addition to the scriptures, he used like four different historical books about that time period to, to, to write the script. And, or, yeah, I had like, he had like four script writers. But whether or not there was, you know, Nefertiti, a love triangle between Moses and, and Pharaoh's son, uh, Pharaoh's son, Ramses. I think it's kind of speculate. I don't know. Maybe there is historical account of that. It's not recorded in scripture. Well, because I I thought when I, and this has been a long time since we did a play on this when we were kids. Because um, I remember uh, my Sunday school teacher. She, I had said to her, I said, "Why is Moses like? Because he's he always does these great things." But he can't because I remember asking her. He does all these great things, but he can't make it to the promised land. And she ah. and she said to me, "Well, God would give him as much as he could as much as he could take." And I never and I never I never quite understood what that meant. I guess as I got older, and then I thought, "Well, they say that when every man 
goes on his journey or does what he needs to do for any of his people, it's for the good of his people. And, you know, he'll take the suffering whether then he'll give it like whether than give it to anybody else. So he'll carry all that burden as much as he can handle on his back as long as everybody else is kind of going. Now I, I may be and now I may be rambling as I have this entire show because I just love talking about movies as you all know. Um, but I, I felt like in this one, I, I in Ten Commandments as, as you know, I felt like he was not so much carrying a burden, I should I should say, but more carrying the I guess the the weight of of what I I guess carrying a message for God I feel like that's what I felt honestly but this one I felt in, in Exodus, Exodus yeah I don't feel like an Exodus in Ten Commandments I felt he was carrying a message for God but in Ten Com- uh, but in Exodus excuse me this is here actually you you pointed out something exactly if you give me both of those yeah so I just want to show something so this is the cover to Ten Commandments yeah. So okay. like yeah. Yep. Okay. Now the Exodus one, you see that, but this is what it is on the back. Yeah. Now for does people, that, does that look like a portrayal of Moses for no. people, or for people, or, just, or does this? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Paul, you bring exactly. up a great point. And just for people listening to the audio version of the show, we I just may just give a little bit of context there. Uh, yeah. I mean, just where uh, Ten Commandments, you could tell it's it's what probably a lot of people first think of the first image of Moses, him with the stone tablet there, yeah. the Ten Commandments. It's just a very powerful looking image uh, at where Exodus, the cover artwork, it, it's not even really showing the, the kind of like the Red Seas parting. It just shows, it looks like almost like a tidal wave if you were to yeah, take a right. quick glance at it. <laughs> yeah, or like right. a tsunami. And, and yeah. Christian yeah, exactly. Bale's just sitting in armor holding yeah. a sword. Holding a sword. That, yeah, exactly. Sitting in armor holding a sword. When in reality, he was not in armor. He was, he was in a, he was in a, you know, a robe. Holding a staff. And, and then it says, a little um, bit of yeah, it also says there. on the cover yeah. of Exodus from the director of Gladiator. They want you to think of Gladiator, and as Paul was showing just a little bit ago on the back, back artwork of Exodus. It looks exactly like Gladiator. Yeah, it's, it's looking like, yeah, a sequel to Gladiator. <laughs> which, or maybe at a quick is, glance, which, like, hey, is this a Gladiator sequel? <laughs> which, which is funny because, and, and funny that you say that, Dale, and also Paul, too, uh, because in the movie, he, he doesn't, re- like, as David said, his wife is not really mentioned in scripture, but like even when he left to like go to in, in the movie at Gods and Kings, he left his wife. Just yeah. like in Gladiator, when he left his wife and then he came back. Oh, so you can imagine like put the two and two well, together. No, it's, 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 it's funny though, because now that I'm digesting this. Yeah. So like you said, from the director of Gladiator, yeah. Exodus, Gods and Kings, and it looks like the cover of uh, The Day After Tomorrow. Yeah. Right. And then at the very bottom in small print, the epic story of Moses. <laughs> yes. But it's really not the epic story of Moses. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a ridiculously perverted story. It has nothing to do with Moses. This story has nothing to do with Moses. It's named after Moses. It's that's named after him, and that's about as far as it goes. You know, the sword that he's holding here in this, in this picture that you were pointing out just a minute ago, here's, here's just kind of a little preview to how realistic, how accurate this film was compared to Scripture. Anytime he pulls out that sword, like, I love it when he's, there's, there's a scene, and this never happened, but there's a scene in this film where Moses is holding mm. the sword to his to his brother's neck, right? Uh, to the other, to the to Pharaoh's actual, uh, to Ramsey's uh, neck. And as he pulls it away, it goes, shing, shing. You know, just like, yeah, if you put a sword on, on skin and then pulled it away, it would go, shing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no. That's uh, not yeah. really. Every I mean, time that sword touched anything, shing. 
They're kind of going for like the movie soundboard when, yeah. when you deliver punches, you know, your stereotypical <laughs> action movie punch, yeah. you know, allow kapow, but really, uh, not not so much. He moves the sword, shing. Yeah, he puts but, it back in the back in the scabbard, shing. Pulls it off, shing. Not, not to go completely uh, uh, off the rails here, but I mean, does the story of Moses? You know, because it, obviously he freed the the Jews from captivity. From captivity, Egypt, right? But does it also have to do with uh, kind of the religious war that is going on in Israel and Palestine right now? Or are they two separate things? Well, the, they're they're because two, I mean, this is about them finding their land, right? Uh, this is about yes, this is about or them getting access back to their land, getting right? back to their land. Yeah. Thank you. That's exactly what it is. So they were in they were in. They were in Canaan, which became Israel, and then they left. They ended up going to Egypt because there was this huge famine in the land. And so they went to Egypt. The whole family of, uh, of Jacob went to Egypt because they had land. Because Joseph, who was one of the 12 tribes of Israel, went in and had, had, had become well-known for his ability to interpret dreams. And when the king in Egypt had this dream, he couldn't understand. None of his magicians, none of his wise men could figure out what it meant. They said, hey, there's a, someone said, there, there's a guy, he's in jail. Why? He was accused of trying to rape one of the wives of one of Pharaoh's uh, high-ranking officials, which was a total lie. She actually wanted to sleep with him. He did, wouldn't do it. And so she accused him of trying to rape her, so they threw him in jail. And while he's in jail, it becomes known that he has the ability to interpret dreams. So Pharaoh calls him and says, tell me the dream. Here's what he said to his, his, his magicians. He said, first, tell me what the dream was. And then tell me what it meant. And they all said, oh, no, Pharaoh, you know, you're unfair. You must tell us what it means. You must tell us what the dream was. And then we'll interpret it. He said, no, no, no. You're trying to trick me. Because I know if I tell you what the dream was, you're going to just make something up. So I won't kill you. <laughs> you tell me what the dream. If you really know, you tell me what the dream was that I had. And then tell me what it means. Well, we know what he could do. There's no one. No one could do that. No one but the gods can do that. No one. So then they bring in, they bring in Joseph. You'll see this story in the movie Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, but it, that's a poor, again, a, a poor reflection of what really happened. So Moses comes in, he says, oh, king, he says, if, you know, li- live forever. I, I will tell you both the dream and what the dream meant, and then tells him the dream. And so he gives, he gives, Mo- he, he puts Moses, in, excuse me, puts Joseph in charge of everything. And his brothers had sold him into captivity, but but once he's in charge, and then the famine starts throughout the whole land, his brothers come to tr- you know to buy. They want to buy grain. They want to buy food so they can. And and eventually, they all come to Egypt. When that pharaoh dies, at that point, all of the the whole Jewish tribes are all living in Egypt, and they because that's where the food is. And then they multiply and become great. And so then after that pharaoh dies, the new pharaoh comes along. Eventually. That this guy doesn't know who Joseph was, and he doesn't realize that he saved so much all time of has Egypt. Passed. <laughs> so much time has passed that right that they've just forgotten, and they, uh, you know, he didn't. And when he went on, you know, he did a Google search who was this guy Joseph, and it didn't come up. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, or however that works, checked Anybody, Wikipedia. <laughs> he didn't because right? it's so, the truth, right? So <laughs> that's how they got. So that's how they. That's why there were so many Jews in Egypt, and it was this Pharaoh. I'm trying to remember his name. Um, but he's the one who, who became fearful that if they were ever attacked, and that's what it says in Scripture, if, 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 because there's so plentiful, there's so many of them, which, again, that's God fulfilling his promise to Abraham that he'd make his children as, as numerous as the stars in the sky or the sands on the, on the seashore. 
Um, now God's fulfilling that. And so he becomes fearful and he says, kill all the male children. So there is like... So don't you think it's kind of ironic, though, that, you know, they said that, okay, because Moses was the last Hebrew, right? Because they killed all of the, all of the male, like the firstborn males of... Well, or no, he, not the first, but they, they, the, the, they killed all the males that were Hebrews. All the that, children, all, all the, the young, young babies, male children, babies. Because right. of prophecy, yeah. and, was, and, and they threw them in the Nile. <laughs> and then, but then you have Passover, which is, isn't, is it ironic that it's the exact opposite? It, it's not ironic at all. In fact, it's God saying, okay, you killed my children. Now I'm going to take your firstborn. Okay. And the firstborn held, even in that culture, a, an honored place. In Scripture, it says that because the firstborn opens, opens the womb of the mother, that he shall receive a double portion in the inheritance. The firstborn is seen as special in God's eyes. And so in, in Exodus, yeah. And so, I mean, that brings me to the next point, which is that, okay, the, the, can we do five hours? Just yeah, kidding. I was gonna say we got so many, <laughs> and, and, so many know, directions is, to go. This is way better. Like honestly, and I gotta tell you, everyone, you know, hearing this, I, I'm sorry. You can make movies, you can make comic books, you can make anything, but nothing beats the original like scripture. Honestly, right? And and once you and once you read this, like. I don't know how anybody like you can take people's lives and turn like it's different when real people. But because we we were not born yet, we weren't even in existence when this book came alive. Right. This, this is why it's so hard. And I feel like we can compare all the time as much as we want to on the show. But when you hear it, like even David reading from this 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 book, it's like. This doesn't even compare. Like, I'm sorry. This this is like again a biblical proportion. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. It's, it's hard, hard right. to even just do it like justice. I'm sorry. Well said, well, Victor. That's we, exactly right. I'm, I'm sure we could go into this more and more. We're down about a little over half hour left. There's a few more points I would like to hit to on the movie. Just going over the core differences between each one. I know, David, you got one more. Thing? I do. Well, yeah. I just want to talk about the burning bush scene. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, because yeah. how how yeah, what David's alluding to is how Moses just discovers uh, God's voice. Voice reaching out to him. He right. So at Moses, least in the Ten Commandments. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So chapter three of Exodus. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the, the priest of Midian. So his father-in-law is a he's an important guy. He's the priest of Midian, and he's um, he's got flocks of sheep and goats and whatever. And so so Moses, um, being married to, he's now his father-in-law because he's married to his daughter Zipporah. And he, he says, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. By the way, the angel of the Lord, when it says the angel of the Lord, not an angel of the Lord, this is a distinction, an angel of the Lord, mm. angel meaning messenger, versus the angel of the Lord. When you hear the word, you read the angel of the Lord, that always refers to the pre-incarnate Messiah. That's, in other words, that's Jesus showing up in the Old Testament mm. before he was born as a baby in Bethlehem, okay? So that's when you see the angel of the Lord, that's what, that's what he's talking about. And how would you say that's portrayed in the Ten Commandments? Well, let's, let's, I'll read this, and then we'll, we'll talk about the Ten Commandments and, and how they did, and then we'll compare it to the... Oh, yes, one, yes, one. yes, okay, right? yes. Very interesting comparison. Of a about here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yes. No, 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 yeah, yeah. Go, 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 go right ahead. Okay, so here's what it says. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing, a blazing fire 
from the midst of a bush. It's a blazing fire in the middle of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. Mm. It's this blazing, not a little sparkly, really glowy, not, embers. not a glowy thing. It's a blazing fire. And he says, he says, it was, it's burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. That's what Moses says to himself. So he goes, he says, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near here. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place where on which you are standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because, their taskma- because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from, the land, from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite, the Amorite and the Perizzite, the Hivite and the Jebusite. And now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I've seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. That's the apparent, that's, that's the burning bush uh, introduction. What's Moses' response? All right, I'm ready to go. You send me, I'll go. That's not what he said. No, that would be way too simple, way too that convenient. Would, that would be, yeah, that yeah, would be maybe the Christian Bale version. Yeah. Um, no, Moses said to God, Oh, that's another thing. In, the, in, in, in this movie, God shows up as a burning... No, as a little 10-year-old kid. Well, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He shows up yeah, as a, what was up yeah, with that? What no, in the yeah. world? <laughs> there, there was also a burning bush alongside the kid. Yeah, it's but, in the background. Yeah, kind of in the background, background off to the it's side, kind of there, maybe just to yeah. say, hey, we, we got the burning bush, but we, but we think this will be better portrayed with a kid. So in, so in this movie, you have God represented by this 10-year-old kid. <laughs> What? Where did that come from? And then he's arguing with him, and he's he, at some point he yells at him. I mean, the Baal character named Moses, whatever that means. Um, here's what really happened. God says, therefore come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Then Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of, the, of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? Yeah, I'm a shepherd. Yeah. I'm 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 just taking care of the flocks. Yeah, and God says, certainly I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that it is I who sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. When you sh- you shall worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What? What shall I say to them? 
Oh, there we go. Uh, there we go. We're good. We're good. Christmas. I feel like we're doing an audio like play. Honestly, yeah. no, David, it's, just, I've, it's so I've, badass. I've, David did his research and then some, folks. You brought. So, I was trying to do my prep work. I was looking up a lot of it. background info and anecdotes, especially press behind the scenes. But David, well, well done. And I'm giving you the crowd clap times <laughs> ten for bringing all the quotes and all the uh, the reference sources. On, honestly, and and I say this because. I, I know I talk, again, we talk about films here nonstop, honestly, and I, that's why I love this show. Um, but because I, when I first met David uh, and we talked about The Firm, now, now we're talking about this. This was what, honestly, this is a Thanksgiving, like literally, I give thanks to this show <laughs> just because of this, because we, like literally, I can't tell you, David, I've been waiting for this like to a come special to like this. Well, like not even oh. just a special like this, but just this a moment like this. Because films like this, ladies and gentlemen, do not ever come around. I feel like they don't because you know, like Steven Spielberg said, uh, and not to go off the rails here, but like you, you go to a lot of film schools and you see a lot of you know young kids in there, and they learn all about these new films, but they never learn about stuff like this, like silent movies, like talkies. These were movies that I loved growing up. Yeah. This was an era that really showed its grit and its gravitas of how much actors and directors and people really communicated with each other and how you did a take. When you did a take, you did it over and over again until the take was just right. And even if you messed up, you had to do it again. And there was no stopping. You had to keep going. These guys were like athletes. And oh, every yeah. day was a struggle. But it was when you got it right, everyone cheered and yelled like, yes, that was it. That yeah. was the thing. We're done. Now let's move they on. They gave you the moments where you wanted to stand up and exactly. just cheer a raucous applause. That, yeah. This is yeah. what filmmaking is yeah. and has always been. No. Yeah, And it's interesting that you say that because this is a time back in the 1950s when you know film was still relatively – it was still a relatively new medium. And mm. we came from the silent film era. Yes. But before that, what did we have? Where, where did you? You only found actors in one place, really, yeah. and that was on on stage. Yeah, right on the. Yep. And so, and what did actors have to do on stage? They had to be able to project. Yep. So the people in the back could hear because they yep. didn't have wireless microphones yep. back then, right? Yeah, that's why you had amphitheaters. Yeah, and yeah. amphitheaters so that it would help amplify the sound. But they had to project their voice. Mm-hmm. They also had to project their emotions mm-hmm. and their character and so they had to make things big you yeah. know everything had to be big yeah um, like the over over uh, animated body language yes. which they this is just Correct. very very bountiful in 10 commandments yeah and so so that was still an era where they 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 were trying to figure out this new medium right how because acting actors came from the stage yeah. and and the idea yeah. of a close up on stage was non existent. Yep. Exactly. But, but on a movie, yep. you can get a close up. Yeah. So there was, you know, Paul, you mentioned that it was kind of, you know, corny, a little bit overacting, yep. but that was really the standard. In fact, that, I think that if that's you, what I took of it too, the way I was interpreting it. I was like, wow, some of this is very over the top, some of the dancing scenes and the, like some of the celebratory scenes, but the back of my mind was, this was how it was at the time. That was, that's, yeah. that's right. That's how it was. And, and who knows how they danced, you know, 3,000 years ago. But but this this film, this film. Okay, first of all, let me do this one. You if, know, if, if it's all right for the sake of our people listening on audio, when we reference, uh, okay, sorry, Exodus. Yeah, there we for go. Exodus, Perfect. Right. <laughs> so with Exodus, 
Do you know who I really liked in this film? I mean, the character that I really felt, uh, you know, connected to? No one. There wasn't anybody. I didn't like anybody I thought anybody you were going to name movie. one character that got right there for There a was second. None. none. There were none. None. Zero. Zero. To make a film successful, mm. the audience has to connect with at least one person. Hopefully yes. the star of the show. Well, yes. So, the, so right? one thing yeah. that you could, exactly. I mean, you talk about acting, but also the Ten Commandments, that that had performance. Yes. Oh. I mean, do you remember the, the scene with all the uh, the girls dancing? Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, right. Yes. Like that. They, they actually. Were no, they, they were real dancers. Yeah, yeah. they were real dancers, yeah. and they put on a huge choreography. I mean, this would have been like on something you would have seen on America's Got Talent. Mm. Oh, yeah, exactly. Okay, you know, yeah. Right. In Exodus, they wore what gladiator costumes, and I mean, not impressive at all. In the Ten Commandments, you know who else was nominated? One of the people nominated? Uh, Edith Head, yes, who was like the costume designer of all costume designers. Mm. I mean, she she she, she blazed the trail. She, oh, she was killed. brilliant. Oh, she was so good. She, and like, she, she was yeah, amazing. She she was amazing. But the but I can't watch the, I, this movie. Exodus. I wanted to cry because Exodus uh, because it was so bad. I mean, I actually wanted to throw if, it out. The, if I could just throw in a way just to kind of help bounce off that, where one of the connections, and you're kind of also referencing David about how to connect with characters. Uh, Moses, just one of the things I thought that they really didn't get right at all, where, you know, again, I'm not completely up to speed on my Bible nowadays. I'm a little rusty on it, but I always remember that one of the associated things I remember with Moses is the staff, and they really uh, amplify how big a moment it is when Moses gets the staff in the Ten Commandments when he gets exiled to the desert wastes. But it, there is no staff at all None. <laughs> for, yeah, no, for, exactly. for Moses in Exodus. Exodus. Yeah. None at all, right. So, and so one of the things that happens is that when, when, when God is talking with Moses, and Moses literally begs him to send someone else. He says, please send my... He says, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. And, I can't. and some people say, oh, Moses must have had a speech impediment. No, because in, I think it's Acts in the New Testament... It talks about Moses, and it says he was raised in Pharaoh's court. It says he was powerful in strength and in speech. He was a powerful orator. That's what it says. So when he says, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue, I just can't, I, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not good with a comeback. And so I don't know what to say. If Pharaoh says something, I'm going to just be stammering. No, that made God very angry. He finally said, fine, take your brother Aaron. He'll be like, you'll be like God to him. You'll tell Aaron what to say, and Aaron will speak to, to Pharaoh for you. So that's, that's the way that it, that it worked in real life. But when, when, when God is talking to Moses, and Moses is saying, what if the people don't believe me? What if I go to, the, to my fellow Hebrews and they don't believe me? Here's what it says. Oh, by the way, Exodus, in this conversation with God and, and, and Moses, and then the, the conversations with Moses and Pharaoh— it is one of the most um, one of the most detailed instances in Scripture where you see conversations. This guy said this, then this guy said that, then this guy said this, then this guy said that. I mean, if you want to talk about a script that's pre-written for a movie, it's Exodus. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all right there. You don't have to really make up anything. So here's what happens: Moses says, "What if they won't believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say the Lord has not appeared to you." And the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? <clears throat> and Moses said, it's a sword. I got it from Ridley Scott. No, <laughs> that's not what happened. <laughs> 
Sorry. Oh, no, that's great. I'm, no, I, I'm digging no, it. No, that's, like, this that's is, why it's so great. That was some great improv. Oh, he, man. He, the Lord says, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. Then he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. Here's, here's how bold Moses was. Moses fled from it. He ran away. <laughs> Turns into a serpent. He probably thinks he's in trouble. He probably thinks that he's gotten God angry. Now he's turned his staff into a serpent, and it's going to bite him and kill him, and then God's going to use Aaron or something. I, who knows what Moses thinks, except it's a deadly serpent. And so Moses runs from it. But the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. Mm. Guess what? If you're dealing with a, a deadly snake, the last thing you want to do is grab it by the tail because that means it can reach around it and with its head, it can, oh, absolutely. It can counter. It can oh, counter and can bite you unless God is the one telling you to grab it by its tail. Mm. In that case, you do it. Exception so, to the rule. In, in, so ten, mo- in Ten Commandments, though, didn't he throw his staff down and it turned it into a serpent in front of the Pharaoh? Yes, that, but, but first, it happened here. Okay. First, he, he says, how will, how, what if they don't believe me? And so the Lord says, stretch out. So he says, stretch out your hand, grasp its tail. So he stretched out its hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. He says, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And the Lord furthermore said to him, put your hand into your bosom. Now, remember, he's wearing a robe. So it's crossed over in the front. So he puts his hand inside his robe. He says, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. So now he's got leprosy. And then the Lord said, put your hand into your bosom again. So he put his hand into his bosom again. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. And it shall come about that if they will not believe you or heed the witness of the first sign, that they may believe the witness of the last sign. This is God telling Moses, don't worry. If they don't believe you, first throw down your, your staff. If they don't believe that, then do this next one. I'm giving you two signs, two miraculous signs, so that they'll know that I'm the one that sent you. And he says, but, if they, it, but it shall be that if they will not believe even these two signs or heed what you say, then you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, and the water which you take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. So now God said, here's what I've prepared you, told you what to do, so they'll believe you. Moses responds, now he's got confidence, right? Now he's ready to go. And then Moses said to the Lord, please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since thou spoken to thy servant, for I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. He's still begging to get out of it. And the Lord said to him, who made man's mouth or who makes him deaf or dumb or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, I, even I will be with your mouth to teach you what you are, what you are to say. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to put the words in your mouth, Moses. And he says, please, Lord, now send the message by whoever you want, just not me. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses, and he said, Is there not your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks fluently. Moreover, behold, he's coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. You're to speak to him. I'll put words in your mouth. I'll put the words in his mouth, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and his mouth, and I will, and I will teach you what you are to do. Moreover, speak. And so anyway, so God tells him to go to Pharaoh and say, Let my people go. Yeah, and, and a bold proclamation in Ten Commandments. I thought it was like a big standout moment of the film. Yeah, it, it, it is. In Exodus, 
we have this burning bush that does nothing, and then this little 10-year-old kid shows up, supposedly being God, and has this meaningless conversation with, with Moses. I mean, it doesn't mean it. It doesn't mean anything. He says, oh, wait, wait, watch and see what I do. What? What do you mean, watch and see? What are you talking about, watch and see what I do? Mm-hmm. That's not what he had. That's not what he said. He said, you're going to go. First, you're going to convince the people that I'm with you, and then you're going to go to Pharaoh, and you're going to talk to him, and you're going to tell him, let my people go. And one of the examples you mentioned, David, that really kind of blew me away, because I was kind of thinking about it with a set of 1956 eyes, when they showed uh, the staff turning into a serpent, and they even have a little bit of what I thought for the time were, were just mind-blowing special effects, like that they actually show the staff transforming into a serpent yeah. and glowing green, and I could have only imagined how that must have blown away people, like how people were blown away when they saw the first Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. keep in mind, this film was Technicolor. This was yeah. one of the first color movies mm. because back then everything was black and white. Mm. You know how Technicolor worked? You know why that camera was so massive? Mm. You know how the, I'm sure, Victor, you know the Technicolor process? Oh, absolutely. Like the way... The, how now, many pieces of film are in a Technicolor camera? Um, how, many rolls, how many rolls of film? It's been a long time since, I, since I've actually said it. Uh, you, probably, you probably would have to ask. It. Three. Actually, probably, is, it, is it three? It's is three. It, is it three? Three, okay. yes. I yes. Thought, actually, I thought it was four. Because when they did uh, Wizard of Oz, they, I know they used a little bit more, but then it was, it was different for Wizard of Oz. But, uh, so, it's, so, it's, so one of them is there's yellow, sand, and magenta, mm. right? Those are the, the three colors mm. that make up the color spectrum within, within film. Mm. Which is uh, the, that's the, the the pigments that they need, and I don't know. Was there ever a Technicolor camera that had another one for black? I, 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 thought, I don't know. So. I thought so, but I, I may be wrong about. Yeah, that. Yeah, I, I could be too. It's been a long time since I've looked in Technicolor, but that's how they. That's why these cameras are so huge. Mm-hmm. So there. So it's all, but it had to be colored because you had to be able to see if it's when the water turns to blood. Mm. It's got to look like blood, right? Yeah, that's exactly. got to be red. So. So they did a really, I think, a excellent yeah. job in Ten Commandments mm-hmm. portraying this conversation. I mean, they didn't do all of it. Moses didn't, didn't complain or try to get out of it quite as much in the film as he did in real life. Mm-hmm. Well, I know when it came, when they're talking about uh, the, the plagues, when they're showing the plagues in both films, for Ten Commandments, I imagine maybe their, their budget only ran so much or their film length ran so much that they had to trim it down a little bit because some, some of the plagues are just only referenced in just in passing. In which one? Uh, for the Ten Commandments or some of the plagues when it comes down to uh, when, when they're doing the plagues. And like, like when they mention lice and, and frogs, they don't show it. They just kind of mention it in passing because they only have, so, I don't know if it's that time, they only have so much time to show or if it's like a budget thing or, or maybe just the, the special effects weren't there or who knows what happened behind the scenes. I'm not saying it's a bad thing or a good thing. I'm, I'm just point, I'm just making an observation. Right, but in the, but in, in the movie The Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. they still Stuck with the biblical yep. narrative, yep. which is absolutely that that he 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 goes to Pharaoh and he says, "Thus says the Lord God of Israel: Let my people go, that we may celebrate a feast, uh, that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness." But Pharaoh said, "Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and besides, I will not let Israel go." Then they said, "The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest He fall upon us with pestilence." Or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you draw the people away from their work? Get back to your labors. Right? That's what he's saying. He says, and again, first said, look, the people of the land now are many, and you would have them cease from their labors. So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters over the people and their foremen, saying, you're no longer to give the people straw to make brick as previously. Let them go gather straw for themselves. 
But the quota of bricks which they were making previously, you shall impose on them. You're not to reduce any of it because they're lazy. Therefore, they cry out, let us go sacrifice to our God. Let the labor be heavier on the men and let them work at it that they may pay no attention to false words. So the taskmasters of the people and their foremen went out and spoke to the people saying, thus says Pharaoh, we're not giving you any straw. You go and find it for yourselves if you can find it, but none of your labor will be reduced So the people scattered through all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw, and the taskmasters pressed them, saying, Complete your work quota, your daily amount, just as when you had straw. Furthermore, the foreman of the sons of Israel, over whom whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, uh, were beaten. The, The foreman of the sons of Israel, in other words, these are Hebrew foremen, who the Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over the workers, they were beaten and were asked, why have you not completed your requirement either yesterday or today in making bricks as previously? So this created a huge problem. Moses ended up saying, Lord, what did I, what did I do wrong? I not only haven't set them free, I've made their lives worse. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. they're being beaten. Now they're, having to, now they're having to work 24-7. They don't have time to sleep. They're like Dale. Mm. I mean, they, all they do is work. <laughs> that's so good. That is awesome. That, that, that is not an, not, not an inaccurate analogy. <laughs> so, I love it. I love it. So, 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 so God speaks from him again. He says, go back to, go back to, go back to Pharaoh and, and talk to him again. And this time he does. And he says... He says, I'm going to bring you out of bondage and I'm going to bring punishment upon Pharaoh because Pharaoh won't listen. He doesn't listen uh, once again and God has to reassure Moses. And, um, and so then he goes and he goes to Pharaoh and he throws the staff down in front of Pharaoh. Yeah, and, and then, a great, that's where he saw turned to the serpent and the, the glowy special effects. You're right. Yeah. And then what happened? Pharaoh calls his magicians. <laughs> and all of a sudden, hey, I got a guy who they, can do the same thing. Yeah, we can do that too. And so they throw that because Pharaoh, and by the way, it says, in, it says in the scriptures that Pharaoh hardened his heart against Moses and against God. It says multiple, over and over, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Then, then, as the pressure starts ratcheting up against Pharaoh. God says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And he says, he, and so God starts hardening his heart because he wants, it's like, okay, you're not going to obey. You're not going to do what I tell you. So I'm going to make an example of you, yeah. right? I'm going to make this go all the way to the very end and uh-huh. we're going to make this so, bad. Yeah. You know, with something that I, I saw that is in the 10 commandments too is, and I thought it was a really impactful scene is, you know, when the Pharaoh puts his child down in front of, I, I want to say it was, um, was it not Ega, not Ega Memnon? What was the the dog faced one in Egypt culture? But oh, the God, the, um, shoot. Any, in know, any case, yeah, I know what you're talking about. In that. any case, but you know, he says, "Are you uh, are you a powerful God? If you are more powerful than Moses's God, then bring my child back to life." Oh, and, right. And, and I mean, that was a really powerful scene, but. Another uh, scene that I... was the god Ra that you're talking about. Oh, yeah, about. yeah. Thank yeah. you. Ra. Yeah. Um, but, you know, because I was telling uh, Dale about this, they just came out with that Brad Pitt movie, Babylon. And, you know, when you see in this movie, when they start all celebrating the golden ox, it really reminded me of, like, the scenes in, in Babylon. Uh, with like Just the, a flamboyant opening party scenes? Yeah. But, you know, just even to put that, that part of this movie together, and I think that's probably one of the most important, important parts of this movie, is they're celebrating a false god because they, yes. all, they all want to get out of their, 
struggles that have every, and so now they're all just partying it up. They're doing whatever they want. Got and they're, tired of waiting for Moses and, on Mount Sinai and, there. Yeah. And, and, and then, the, yeah, and then you got the, the, um, what the goldsmith or the statue maker. I can't remember what you call him now, but, and he says that they've made me do it. And I mean, so he gets back up on the mountain and then he throws the commandments down and everybody gets sucked into hell. Well, <laughs> not, not, not everybody, not everybody, yeah. right? Not everybody, but people yeah. that went against and, Moses. Yeah. And to be fair, everyone that Babylon, the movie with Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie, that's not actually talking about the biblical Babylon. No, no. The party scene. Oh, the is, yeah. I wonder if that's, you know, what they're referencing in Babylon mm. is like the actors and all of them just well going ju- into this. I'm, I'm just saying yeah. for, for that reference, because like, j- j- most people would think, oh, it's about actually Babylon. No, it's not. Yeah. Well, I, I get where you're coming from, Paul, with comparing the, the style of the kind of like the over-the-top partying yeah. is, it, that's done in the opening of Babylon is very, very... No, uh, I'm saying that Babylon was probably referencing these like actors and stuff. Oh, yeah, as like an homage. Yeah, 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 as, as an homage. homage. Oh, yeah, I can yeah. see. Oh, yeah, that's I can absolutely see. see. Now, there, that actually could... Yeah, I can see that. Now, there, there, we're, we're down about 15, 20 minutes left here, and there's so many points I want to ask you on for... I want, I'm very curious to see what you guys take on. We kind of, kind of already wrapped up where they t- touched on the play. Now I'm very curious on what you guys are thinking about the the march to uh, to the Red Sea and how they get there and how that's portrayed in both films. I'm also curious on how uh, Paul already kind of kind of already tipped uh, got us a little started there on how uh, Moses delivers the Ten Commandments. But before we get there, we got to give a shout out to our last sponsor. And you know, speaking of movies and where the best place to go see them are in the theater. And if you can make it there, make sure to check check them out at the River Cinema 15 and to get all your goodies at the Shire Bar and Grill. Make them your next dinner in the movie destination. They're both in the River Mall in East Grand Forks. Now, you can either dine inside the movie memorabilia packed restaurant at the Shire or take your meal to the movie you're attending. And right now, they're running a special at the River Cinema 15, a gift card special. Now through December 31st, buy a $25 gift card and get a $5 coupon for concessions. I know I usually get a couple of those for my holiday gifts, so that will be a great way for anyone to get some good extra bang for your buck. Some of this week's featured movies are The Marvels, mm. Priscilla, Killers of the Flower Moon, oh, uh, the really Scott movie that just opened today we referenced a little earlier, the aforementioned Napoleon, mm. and so many more. Find the complete showtimes and listings online at rivercinema15.com. Don't forget about the Tuesday special, $5 movies all day long, and the 550 senior matinee specials on Wednesdays on Thursdays. As seen in the video behind me, River Cinema has luxury recliners and expanded concessions that now serve adult beverages, and it's family-owned and operated by the same company that runs the Grand Theater in Crookston, and for their showtimes, visit morefamilytheaters.com. So, I kind of threw a and few... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and uh, the first person that uh, can tell us in the Ten Commandments who played, uh, the actor who played Ramses, um, you'll get a $25 gift certificate to the Shire Bar and Grill, and two tickets to, um, well, not new release movies, but Pretty much uh, any movie, but and, that's at least out for two weeks. And, yes, exactly. and, you all, and you all should remember this actor because he is literally one of my favorites. And personally, mm-hmm. he's been on a lot of great movies. And that's the actor for who played Ramses in, in the Ten Commandments? Yes. yes. All right. So I don't get to so, get in on that, do I? 
I actually, <laughs> can, I actually wanted to say it myself because I was like, I know, I know, I, I, I want to say but, it, but so, I can't, I can't. Paul, how would you re- uh, prefer people to do that? Like in the comments on Facebook? Or I don't the care. Com- just the first person yeah. to give us, like email us. Yeah, or, can I do it? Yeah. 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 Right, or whatever. So, there you go. Hey, here's a great way to do it just so we can get the official entry. We don't we don't overlook it in the Facebook comments or anything like that. Uh, go to gfbestsource.com. There's a contact us link on the top of the website. Go ahead, click that, fill it out with the answer to the question who played Ramsey's in the Ten Commandments. And email it to us, and we'll get back to you. First person we see that gets it, uh, we'll, we'll send you those gift cards. They get those certificates to hook you up for the River Cinema 15 and the Shire. Heck, I might as well just so, take a sticky note and just, <laughs> right, just give it to you guys. Like, Victor is this the wins. Answer? No. Yeah. So, 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 to answer your yeah. question, Dale, about you know, the, why they didn't do all the plagues, mm-hmm. the plagues that in, in the actual story, I mean, in, in real life, in history, what happened was <clears throat> Moses went back to Pharaoh 10 times. And each time he said, let my people go. And every time he, Pharaoh said no, he brought a different plague. God said, "Do the, you know, first he said, put your staff in the Nile. It's going to turn to blood. All the fish will die. That's what he did. But then later, magicians of Pharaoh did the same. They reproduced the miracle. And so he said, oh, I'm not going to let him go. And so then what did he do? Then he brought, it wasn't flies. It was frogs. The next one was frogs. And, and the, they're, they're overwhelmed with frogs. It says, they're going to be in the bedroom, on the bed, in the house of the servants. They're in the ovens and in the kneading bowls. Frogs are everywhere, right? And <clears throat> when Pharaoh, yeah, so get this. He says, Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron. He said, entreat the Lord. Talk to the Lord for me that they'll remove the frogs for me and my people and I will let the people go so that they can sacrifice the Lord. So Pharaoh says, get rid of the frogs and I'll let you and your people go to sacrifice to your God. And Moses said to Pharaoh, the honor is yours to tell me, when shall I entreat for you and your servants and your people for the frogs to be destroyed from you so your house will be left only and uh, be destroyed from you and your house so they be left only now? In other words, we'll just have frogs in the Nile. They won't be in your house anymore. And uh, he said, tomorrow, maybe according to your word, that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God and how the frogs will depart from you and your houses and your servants, and your people, they'll be left only in the Nile. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to the Lord concerning the frogs with which he had afflicted, the, uh, had, had afflicted upon Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the words of Moses. And the frogs died out of the houses, the courts, and the fields. So they piled up in heaps, and the land became foul. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not listen to them, just as the Lord had said. And so after the frogs were gone, then he brought gnats. After the gnats, he brought the fourth plague, which was flies. After the flies, he brought disease on the beasts, and the beasts had this bad disease. Then he brought boils. That was the sixth plague. The seventh plague was hail. So there's... The, and, which, and both films kind of portray them... Uh, I thought both there's some elements where some I think well Exodus kind of maybe benefits a little bit with more modern special effects budgets for some for some of those scenes. Well, but uh, they show a lot of dead Ex- fish. Exodus but they, focused on the plagues. That's yeah. it. Yeah, it, it, the story yeah. wasn't there. It was just yeah. all the not at all. Plagues. Yeah. Not at all. Right. There's no at no point did did in the movie Exodus did the character playing supposedly Moses. Go to Pharaoh and say, "Let my people go." That no, never yeah, happened. Yeah, that never happens. The big never. moment in the Ten Commandments never happens. That's in the whole point of it. The whole point of the reason the plagues came was because Pharaoh refused mm-hmm. to let the people go. These were people who had been in bitter bondage of slavery to the Egyptians. It was literally called the Iron Furnace. 
They were in bondage 400 years. 400 years. The, I, I don't think there's ever in history a time when a group of people, a race of people, have been in continual bondage to slavery for 400 years. That's a long time. Yeah. And, and, and there was, oh, not to interrupt you, but there was more, uh, multiple, I will say, when, when they did Exodus, Gods and Kings, when you, di- when you see the plagues in the movie, there's really nothing like the punishments that from the Ten Commandments, there's weight to them. Yeah. With, when I went to see, and mind you guys, when I saw Exodus, Gods and Kings in theaters, it, to me, it was, it was okay. It j- the only thing that I didn't understand, like we're talking about now, was the plagues. Because with the plagues coming, there was not a lot of weight to the, it, like when yeah. the plagues came in Ten Commandments, there was a weight to them because the punishment was, as the- Dave said, these people, when he didn't listen to him, he gave him a specific command to follow. Yes. In the movie Exodus, Gods and Kings, he didn't do that. No, not they, at all. The, and when the, the plagues happened, this that was the weird thing to me. And I didn't understand that because there were crocodiles and you know, all this other stuff <laughs> and locusts and all this stuff. Yeah. I'm like, this yeah. is – that doesn't make any sense. It was meaningless. Yeah. And really. It, and it kind of was like – There was no connection, yeah, was there? Yeah. There was no right. – puni- like the punishment really didn't fit anything. Like there was no – like It just you seemed it was happening for the like sake of happening. happening. Yeah, well, exactly. Not, not only right. that, but it's like you weren't – it didn't. It didn't make you fear. Like the whole point is to fear yeah. the and punishment. I, I really like how they portray Ramses way more in in the Ten Commandments than uh, they kind of make him just look like this careless, aloof figure yeah. in, in in Exodus. Yeah. And and I'm like, yeah. I'm not buying into this Ramses character at all in at Exodus. All. And or well, the Moses character in yeah. Exodus. Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. Right, neither one. Yeah. They were both the portrayals very, very and like the evolution of both characters. Uh, like I really like how well, we, for people watching the video version of the show, you can see Moses behind me. Uh, that. Uh, that that Charles Charleston Heston's character Moses has this very gradual but noticeable evolution of his character, where his hair is getting way more poofy and way more just kind of you know he's resembling that biblical well, figure I, Moses. I, I think the Rotten Tomatoes pretty much oh, sums yeah. it up too. I don't know if you gave those um, those numbers out. Well, yeah, I'll go ahead and knock them say, out now. This, well, this is the only time I'll agree with Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> so for the critics, for uh, both are within a few percentage points. So I'll just say the critic aggregate for both movies here. So Ten Commandments, eighty-four uh, percent of reviews uh, thought uh, gave approval to Ten Commandments. For oh Exodus, Gods and Kings, only thirty percent of the reviews said it was a good film. So. And, well, and they were all sleeping. Yes, like literally. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, they were just bought off. So, <laughs> so, so for, same people give a heavy approval rating for for uh, for Joe Biden. <laughs> oh man, that, that's for another show. But uh, uh, for uh, not to nudge things along too too fast. <laughs> another show. Another show. Another show. Hey, look, they're even the right colors. Oh my god. The right Ten Commandments. Red. Exodus if, blue. If, if you want that <laughs> no kind sense. of talk, that's for for that's for your show, David. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry. But, uh, uh, no, no. I, I just make an I, observation. I, that's all. Oh no, I, 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 I that, that is. Those are very, very, uh, very poignant observations. So, so you're talking but about the make numbers. Make the Ten Commandments great again. You're talking, right, no, yeah. You're talking about the numbers. So the production budget, that. production budget for Ten Commandments was thirteen point twenty-seven yeah. million, to mm-hmm. be precise. Yeah, right? I, I, and I got the box office figures right here too. So extreme. global box yeah. was. 
So, yeah, global box office for Ten Commandments, $122.7 million, and that's in 1956 dollars. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Do you have global at 127? I thought it was 55.2 million. Uh, Is that, was that, was maybe that, that was, was domestic. That national? Domestic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Global so, international, 122.7 okay, so million. Okay, so I missed that, so I didn't do the numbers right. But So let's put that in today's numbers, like, right? Seriously. So the production budget was, was 13. Exodus, by the way, was 140 million production budget. And the box office worldwide was two hundred and sixty-eight million. So yeah. just yeah, that's just not yeah. quite Man. double. Yeah, not quite and, double. And I think that and that's box. That's not that's not so that's gross. That's not net. Yeah, that's for, gross. That's not that's not how much they made. That's just the box office yeah. draw. Not so taking away the theater's cut. The theater's yeah. cut, the distributor's cut, because they all get a cut, right? The yeah. distributor gets the biggest cut. Yeah. And then the theater gets their cut. I don't think that I think this production, I think Exodus actually lost money. Yeah, when you take yeah. away all those factors, no, huge, yeah. huge. Because half of the half of the half of the box mm. goes to the distributors. Yeah. At least half no. goes to the distributors. And then the theaters get their cut. And, yeah. Because what was it? Like, can I see the Oh yeah, I got it there. Uh, no. Well, no, I wanted to can I see so the how box? much did uh, so how much did the Ten Commandments? Ten make? Commandments, was, yes. So in today's world, using today's okay. money, no if we account for inflation, the budget which was thirteen point twenty seven million back then Today that would be 150 and a half million. Mm. Okay, that's what they spent on it. Here's what the global box office was for Ten Commandments. It's going to shock you guys. For today's dollars, in Go today's to dollars, six hundred and twenty-five million nine hundred thirty-nine thousand. Huge. Huge. Imagine, <laughs> and, and mind you, ladies and gentlemen, imagine that's a lot of money. And there's a reason. There's a reason for that. Now, yeah. we're, now we're down to about our, our last. Ten, we're down to about our last ten. Imagine. We're down to about our last ten minutes. I, 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 we'd be remiss if we wouldn't touch on two major scenes uh, and how both movies portray them. I really think it'd be a great way to wrap up today's show. The first being, uh, well, we can see their attempt to cover it in Exodus, uh, the, the parting of the Red Sea. So uh, obviously there's a lot that goes into how they get there, but I think let's, at least for the sake of time, just cover how each film covers the parting of the Red Sea on Moses uh, march, marching his people across. Can I, with respect, just request to look at one other scene, which I think is critical, and it's kind of a turning point. All right, yeah. In fact, it's something that exists down to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jews all over the world celebrate... <clears throat> Not just the release of the of the the slaves from Egypt, but how God did it, and the the what was the final thing that happened? Oh, yeah. You didn't see it in Exodus because that didn't show. Yeah. But what was the final what was the final plague that God brought in the Ten Commandments, which reflects the tenth plague in the Scriptures that caused Pharaoh to say, "Okay, you can you can go go yeah. go go." In fact, not only did they go, but they walked out with a lot of gold and treasure because. The Egyptians just wanted to get rid of them. Take whatever you want and go. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. What was the final plague? Yeah, the death of the firstborn son. Death of the firstborn son. So, did all the firstborn sons of the Hebrews die as well? Did the Hebrew children all die? The firstborn? Did they die? Well, wasn't there the the caveat for those that are you know with us? They paint the lamb's blood on their their household doors. Ah, right? that's right. They God said. Take a a, a a a lamb, a spotless, unblemished lamb, and kill it, and put its blood on the doorposts and the lintels of your homes. And when the angel of death comes and sees the blood, he will pass over you, and you'll be safe. And that's what they did. And that is where the term Passover comes from. That's the celebration that Jews all over the world celebrate every year, and they... At that time, they remember. In fact, they eat bread that's that hasn't been leavened, so it's 
it's flat bread and they're supposed to eat it in haste and they but they make a big celebration out of it and they remember all the plagues they talk about the plagues and they actually they mourn for the egyptians because they said you know we we're, we're happy that we were set free but but you know the egyptians went through all this suffering because they wouldn't let us go pharaoh wouldn't let us go and that's a huge deal that was presented, I think, very effectively and very powerfully in the movie The Ten Commandments. Uh, yeah, when they're in the room and even the women are saying, yeah. you can hear the screams outside, yeah, we he, need to go help. And they're like, nope. That's, right. You can hear the echoes of the city streets. The, the, yeah, that's just but the, the angel of death. Yes, but, they exactly. warned, but they warned them, though. That was the thing. They warned these people. All they had to do was just because God gave them an out. And because God gave them that out and they didn't take it, that's why they suffered. Well, they, yeah, and I mean, Pharaoh was the... And see, here's, here's another point. The leader of a, of a country affects whether or not his own people suffer or do well or yeah. prosper based on his own actions, mm-hmm. right? There's a line in... I'll tell you what, I'll be honest. The movie, The Ten Commandments, um, I, I, can't wa- I, can't, I can't watch this movie very much because I get, I get very emotional watching because I know, especially the, because it is... Very, very accurate. Not 100%, but it's very accurate. I mean, I, this movie makes me cry. Even with the kind of the theatrical, some of the theatrical acting, but it, it, it so represents the power of God and the way that he works with weak, you know, flawed people like Moses and Aaron um, to accomplish his will and, and to bring about justice. There's a fantastic line in this movie. It's not in scripture, but there's this great line in the movie where Moses, before he realizes that God's actually sending him to deliver his people, he says to Joshua, um, uh, he says, so Joshua says to him, he knows he's the, he's, the, he's the one that's going to set them free, that God has sent him uh, to deliver them. He's the deliverer. And he says, so does your God, he says, your God, is okay with men being enslaved the way you have been for hundreds of years? And Joshua's response is, God made men. Men made slaves. That's such a powerful line. I remember that line. And and it, it, it it's there, there's not a single line like that in the movie Exodus. No, yeah. you know, there are dozens of yeah. them in they, the movie. They, the they let the lines breathe. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you, yeah. you talk about like the like the most a dramatic part of like these movies and i mean they have it on the cover of exodus is the parting of the seas yeah. to me that wasn't at all for me in the ten commandments the most impactful part of the ten commandments for me was when you had the flame and the voice of god carving into into the tablets that was mine that was totally mine and kind of almost have a representation of it on the movie poster behind yeah. us yeah. yeah and he's yeah. you know and he goes through the t- and you hear the voice of god carving the ten commandments and actually saying them yeah. right at, at the end of the oh, movie oh you're that, right Yo, no paul that is so powerful yeah. and 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 Charlton Heston <clears throat> does a phenomenal job because as God is writing the Ten Commandments in the stone, and, 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 is, and, and they actually kind of build he's up towering, to it. Uh, you know, because he knows that this is the hand of God that's writing these commandments in, in, in stone. That, by the way, those stones, the stones that they used, were actually uh, stones carved from uh, Jerusalem. I think it's called Jerusalem stone. Mm-hmm. They actually use, and they, so then I only shot it in Israel and, and went to that location, but they actually used stones from 
that location as well. The car, the man Cecil B. DeMille had yeah. a copy of them in his office. Yeah. I, I, I was like, oh, yeah, I was yeah, yeah. so for as not, res- not the fifteen. So, so <laughs> no. So for as respectful, <laughs> so for as respectful and as as masterfully done as the Ten Commandments are pre- presented to Moses in the Ten Commandments in the Exodus, they're gods and kings. They're almost like a complete afterthought. There's like, hey, here's these tablets. We're only going to show one. It's going to be half shadowed, and we're not even going to call them the commandments. Yeah. Or the Ten Commandments, they just kind of make this just this barely glossy, uh, just half mention of like, oh yeah, these are what you're going to use to rule your people, and and I'm like, wait, what? What's this? I'm only one tablet, half a tablet, and they're not going to show them in like in the in the poster behind me where you know that iconic uh, biblical hit presenting the tablets to the people. Right. They do not show. It. They just get some half presented to them, half tossed on a table, and just one tablet on top of that. It was just, I was yeah. like. Eyes bugged out. I'm like, this is how they're going to present the tablets in in this film. I was just blown away. Well, and well, that's one thing too that you, if you notice about these two movies, you know, you got the other one over there. Is yeah, yeah, I don't care. David, I am actually what's, really glad we brought these visual aids. These are. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I mean that respectfully. That is. What's the yeah. name of this movie? Yeah. Exodus. Exodus. What's the name of this movie? The Ten, Ten Commandments. Commandments. Ten Commandments. Yeah. The build-up. Yeah, the build-up was just... <laughs> and, they, right. and, they keep, and they keep building up to it throughout the entire film that that, that this is Moses' purpose, is to present people with God's rule. But and uh, they, there's and barely any... And set them any, free. Yeah, think, and set right. them free. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah, so, and Passover, and Passover it, itself is a, is a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do. That, I'd also like to point out, too, that the Ten Commandments... This is what separates us from animals. Yeah. Yes. It does. Right. Yeah. That's right. It's it's ironic that they named the really the Scott movie Exodus because um because that's taken from the Bible. That's the second book book of the Bible, Exodus. Mm. If you really want to know the the real story, get a Bible and read Exodus. Right. It's all there. Yeah. It's there in detail. And then compare and contrast for yourself. You could say that's quote unquote Oops. the novelization. Well, <laughs> no. well, it's, well, it's funny because, and and this is not to get off topic, but because I, I remember we actually discussed it, this a long time ago, and and my sister and I, and we got into a heated argument about it. But uh, she got mad at me because when I, I you know, I, I know you all know the movie Pulp Fiction. So in the movie, of course, Jules, who is the only person besides Vincent, who believes in the divine invention of God. So when he gets shot, they don't. They see all these, like, signs. And like Paul said, that movie, Ten Commandments, separates us from being animals because mm. all the bad things in that movie that goes, what I'm talking about right now, is like, he's like, Do you? so you said God was responsible. He's like, yes, God came down from heaven and stopped all these bullets from hurting us. And every point in the movie, just like in in this movie, he was talking basically to Jules in a way. So, like when he was confronting Tim Roth's character in the last part of the movie, right. he literally pointed the gun at him and he said, "I have the power here." But at the same time, he's telling him, he's "I don't want to." Shepherd. Yeah, I'm trying to be the shepherd. I don't want to do this to you. I don't want to hurt you. That's why I gave you that money. So I'm buying your life. So I don't have to kill you. Yeah, but it's definitely but, one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's that kind of way that I mean, like. I, it's very powerful because, you know, in everyday life, there are these silent moments that you can and, – and, and like in any movie, ladies and gentlemen, this is what they showed you in the Ten Commandments, these silent moments 
that just tell you like you can choose to do this, you can choose to do that. It's your choice. But remember, every choice you make, whether in real life, in movie life, or whatever life, you will pay for it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not even next week, but someday down the road you will. Like, so that actually brings yeah. me to um, what was that? Rapapone? Uh, how do you say your name? The soccer player? Um, Rap Rapapino? Rapapione? Oh, yeah. What you know? Yeah. The one who just tore her ACL? The, oh, the yeah. women's soccer player. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Michelle Rapione or whatever. The I'm yeah, drawing a blank I've, off the top I've of her. Yeah, well, you know, she just came out and said that it's proof that there is no God because she. Tore her ACL and <laughs> and all this. Okay, stuff. yeah, go ahead. You know who I'm talking about. The les- but anyway, so right there, she said is the the proof that there is no God is because I tore my ACL, wow. which everybody's going out and saying she's the one that missed the 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 kick to win the women's uh, Olympics. <laughs> okay, so okay. anyway, <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Well, it is, and people are saying, well, there, it is proof that there is a God. And I can say it just from the third commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. That's right. Yes. Exactly. And that's the result yes. of her actions. Is yeah. I mean, she missed the goal to uh, get the, the women's mm. uh, Olympic soccer mm. team. Right. Uh, it, right. It was like, they were like, Guaranteed to win, and they mm. didn't even make it in. Mm. And yeah, exactly. then she just tore her ACL, right. and so she's out like for the rest of her career. And right. she, she says that that's proof that there's no God. Actually, that's, I thought that, that right there is proof I, that there is. That's right. If you didn't say anything, I you would have been fine. Right. <laughs> Steve, that's the first, right? Not the third. I think it's the. Or, I, I, think it's I, the I, I think in Sabbath I was, Holy, yeah, the first, I may be getting the, things mixed up. The first, the first commandment is, you shall make, you shall. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself. That's the first commandment. Yeah. You shall not have any other gods before me. Actually, yeah. Well, let's, why don't you ramble off all ten of them well, well, before second, we end okay. this? Yeah. Second commandment is you shall not make for yourself an idol okay. or any mm-hmm. likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters under the earth. Uh, yep. No idols. Yep. You, so, uh, no representation of what's in heaven, what's on earth, or what's under the earth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You shall not, and, and when it says, yeah. The earth beneath, that would be, I think he's referring to the demonic realm. Yes. Uh, you shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the, of the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, who, to those who love me and keep my commandments. <clears throat> third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Mm. That's what Paul was just mm-hmm. referring to. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. For, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Five, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the earth, which the Lord your God gives you. Six, you shall not murder. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. Nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And ten, you shall not covet 
your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. In other words, don't covet exactly. what your neighbor owns that you don't. And, and exactly. it doesn't have to be the person next door to you. Yeah. Doesn't just, it? No, oh, no. Right. your neighbor, anybody. anybody. Who, anybody. Your, right. your neighbor yeah. is Jesus just the person next door to you. Yeah. Oh, exactly. yeah, that's anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's right. Well, I think, unfortunately, guys, we're out of time. Uh, I, I, there's so much more we could talk about. Uh, maybe we can do do a, maybe some part two. Uh, oh, I think we got. Well, I think I'm we not, covered I'm everything. Not well, I mean, two, but David, I'm saying maybe on, next week on, on your show, if any other last things we didn't get a chance to touch on. But I, oh. one last thing uh, on uh, hidden uh, agenda. Yeah, I'm not saying yeah, not for like the whole show, but for sure, any sure. any just wrap up you want to do. But I, one thing I would like to do is just get final thoughts on both films. Just any just quick like one minute rapid fire final thoughts from everyone on on, on the two films and just a nice way to put a pin on it. Uh, Paul, let's start with you. Well, I think we just spent two hours doing that. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's why I'm saying us in, in summary. Um, I, I just really appreciated the amount of uh, work that went into the Ten Commandments yes. as far as, I mean, production, setting up yeah. scenes, the artwork, the wardrobes. So uh, I mean, you know, even the acting, you know, they're back then. I mean, this was... People oh. were really putting their heart into it. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, and so to see movies now, you know, because everything's like a superhero movie and, yeah. you know, everything's just CGI, special effects. There's really no substance behind anything. Yep. I mean, there might right. be a, an ex, maybe an exceptional few. Yeah. But, but the amount of work that was put into this, if they were to put that amount of work into a movie today, yeah. it would be astounding oh yeah people would be amazed yeah. at what you did yeah. so i i was really really impressed with the 10 commandments especially the fact that it's almost 100 years old yeah. well, 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 right. well going quarter quarter three quarters of a century yeah. old Go right. a little bit of a yeah i yeah. mean it's what it's, is it's it 75 years old yeah yeah, uh, fifty six. About yeah. Well, yeah. about, yeah. about seventy five. Yeah, yeah. About quick that. quick math. I can't tell you off the top of my head. <laughs> it's it's an old film. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's closer yeah, to a hundred than it is to fifty. That's right. Well, yeah, true, true. That'll get you. That'll All right, uh, David. Final thoughts. Well, I you know what I love God's word and and I think that Cecil B. DeMille uh, really took it seriously. Mm. I mean, I really believe that he he went all out to. You know, again, that that quote. Our intention was not to create a story, but to be worthy. He he wanted the film, The Ten Commandments, to be worthy of the divinely inspired story that God gave. You know, three thousand he created three thousand years ago, the five books of Moses. So the the Pentateuch or the five books of Moses. That is, uh, that, that that's a representation of God's character and His desire for His people the people of Israel, the Jewish people, the Hebrews. And, um, and I think that in the movie, The Ten Commandments, he does uh, a really outstanding job of, of giving people kind of a, at least a glimpse mm. of the power that God displayed mm. at that time in, in setting his people free. What happens next? You know, they're, they're not home free once they leave Egypt because mm. they actually wandered in the desert for 40 years mm. As someone said, Moses didn't ever enter the promised land, and mm. you mentioned that. And the, the reason for that is because Moses actually at one point was disobedient to God. Mm. The people needed water. God spoke to Moses and said, "Go." there's this rock, this big rock. He mm. said, go speak to the rock, mm. and it will pour forth water for your people. Mm. And, uh, and Moses became so angry at the people grumbling, he went up and he kind of, Moses kind of, 
kind of railed at them for a little bit, and then he took his staff and he hit the rock, mm. and the, and water did come forth. Mm. But because Moses struck the rock, mm. he was prevented from entering the promised land. Mm. The reason for that wasn't because God has this affinity for rocks. Mm. It's because, A, he disobeyed God. B, because the rock that he was supposed to speak to was actually a representation of the rock to come, mm-hmm. which is the Messiah, which mm-hmm. is Jesus. Jesus is, the, he said, I am the rock, right? He's the, he's the cornerstone. He's mm-hmm. the foundation. He is the rock. And so it was, and, and, and Jesus talks in the New Testament about giving living water uh, to those who thirst. Come to me, all you who are thirsty. And I'll, Okay, so... Moses hit the rock instead. So he's hitting the representation of the Messiah who is yet to come. And so because of that, God didn't allow him to enter the promised land. Uh, the people eventually did, like after another 40 years, but that's another story. Uh, I, I think Cecil B. DeMille did a fantastic job. I, I, the only thing I regret uh, regarding the other one, uh, the, the Ridley Scott Ex- film, Ex-Scott, yeah, yeah. Is, uh, <clears throat> is spending the uh, hour and a half <laughs> Watching it, that two I and a half so hours. I, be, <laughs> I didn't watch the whole thing. Oh. I got to I got to a certain point, and I said, "You know what? This is so far off the mark." Oh, wow. And you warned me, yeah. Dale. In fairness, I, I, you warned I me yeah, yeah. that there were going to be things that were different. Boy, I, like everything yeah. was different. Yeah. Like it, it didn't even come close. That's why I was. I, I brought. I. I give a shout out to the library. They had the, the last rental store in town <laughs> where oh. I was able to check out the movies. And uh, I mean, I guess excluding red boxes anyways, but I uh, bet I bought it. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I bought it. It was on HBO max. That's how I saw it. But, but by the time I got it, the library got it in. I was like, well, I know David hasn't seen it yet. So we're able to get, get, get it to David. And I was right. like, Oh, David, uh, I think some of the stuff is a little bit off. Just a heads up. <laughs> I, 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 I appreciated that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I was, you were quite. That was quite the understatement. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. Uh, uh, Ten Commandments still a great film. Yeah. Oh I mean, yes, yeah. still uh, by epic. today's standards, it's yeah. still amazing. Oh, oh phenomenal! Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, you have to see it. Uh, yes. I'll, I'll give my quick final thoughts before we close with Victor's final thoughts. Uh, I think the the main thing, my main takeaway, I kept thinking of uh, coming out out from the movies. Besides all the other things we already talked about, the thing that just kind of just the main, uh, I guess, just talking point that that got it stood out for me for both movies is the evolution of characters from Moses characters uh, character and, and Ramsey's character uh, that for both movies that uh, the lack of evolution uh, of the characters in Exodus, but the, the great growth of both characters uh, in, in 10 commandments is that's my greatest takeaway uh, from, from these films that I thought 10 commandments, you saw the gradual uh, growth and accepting of, of, of his people for, for Moses. And you saw like the, the way that, again, I keep referencing the, the, the poster behind me where Moses, you know, his, you see him became, more of a powerful and major figure and then and just that character growth and self uh the self-worth is is very very well done in in the ten commandments and the polar opposite in exodus and even ramses even though he's uh portrayed as the antagonist you could tell by the by by the end he's 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 learned something. I mean, either for better or for worse, uh, you can see growth on his end as well. And again, polar opposite in Exodus. And those yeah. those are my main takeaways. Absolutely, am with you guys. I prefer the the Ten Commandments over Exodus in a heartbeat. Uh, sure. sure, really, seriously, <laughs> Victor. Your final thoughts. I mean, and and to go back to what uh, I uh, we're talking about with David for Technicolor. Um, and y- forgive me because I, I do know a lot about uh, Technicolor, but it's really crazy because I. I actually thought it was four because when we talked about uh, there being for black uh, for black aesthetic, I didn't um, like I said I rarely get to talk about this, <laughs> so forgive 
you're, if you're I, going if really I was into all, the weeds for yeah, Victor's special like here. literally yeah I, I don't get to talk about this often and so what I and and you guys know already the the verdict at this table because uh, yeah. ten commandics had it like uh, by a landslide. It's not and, even close. Like literally, not even close. I mean, I, I only loved Exodus, Gods and Kings because I love Ridley. And Ridley is a fantastic filmmaker. However, this just wasn't, I honestly, this just wasn't his story to tell. I'm no. sorry. It really wasn't. No. He not was everything couple, can be perfect. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, and, and, and that's, not and everyone's going to hit home runs. Exactly. And that's just Borrow what, a cliche. Yeah. And as they say, there's no such thing as a perfect film. I mean, Ridley knows it. Everybody knows Maybe it. Maybe he'll do better with, with Napoleon. He, he probably will. He will do better I with Napoleon. I seeing it. Same. And, and honestly, I, I will say, like, just, you know, like I said, uh, I'm thankful for this show. Just because, you know, when we, when we talk about anything, pop culture, comic books, movies, anything, it truly is a, is a blessing in disguise that we got to talk about this kind of movie. Because, like I said, everyone, you know, the... As Guillermo del Toro, my main man, had said, you know, and like I told David, I rarely get to talk about, like, the technical side of filmmaking. Like, you know, why push, why crane, why, you know, wide shot. These... These films I were have, so beautifully done. I absolutely done. Uh, respect uh, your guys' movie knowledge. Right. I, I know me. I'm, I'm just. I'm, I, I'm a big movie fan. But as far as like the real in-depth technical stuff, I know. I know a little bit from watching my special features and and my, from what I've researched over the years. But nowhere to the extent of you two. I absolutely love this bat, the passion and your guys' uh, respect and uh, expertise for the for I, the source material and and David. You brought it big time with yeah. all the notes and the quotes and, and just bring it just really. Yeah, I, yeah, I felt literally like I, we were I have, I have like one thing book. I want to close this with, too, because the whole reason that we even started to even have this discussion about the Ten Commandments and Exodus and everything, like I said before, it was because of the war that's going on in Israel and mm, Palestine. Right. But there's also the war in Ukraine and Russia. And the reason that those two wars are going on right now is because they're not following the Tenth Commandment. Exactly. Thou shall not covet. Yeah. Right. Get yeah. out of there. These it's, people it's, it's, are living in peace. Just get up. Just leave them alone. Leave them alone. Exactly. Just go That's do right. your go. Yeah. That's right. You no, know, just do <laughs> your own thing. Just, there's plenty of other land. Oh, you plenty think, of other land. You would yeah. think, but people want, right. and and when you want, you take it's advantage. Just world of leaders, they're just coveting other people's land. Yeah. Just. Stop! Well, yeah, but, stop. but no, I, <laughs> but, but no, I was. I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt neither one of you. But like, I know David was going to say something. Thank you, thank you, Victor. I was just going to say I did. I just did a quick double check, and I confirmed that is a Technicolor is a three strip process. Okay, because I thought I strip. thought I originally thought it was four because of what you said for the black. It, Beca- right, because okay, in the printing anyway. process there is black. Mm. Right in the printing process, if you've got a if you're you order something from a printer, yeah. commercial printer. They have yellow, cyan, and magenta inks yeah. plus black ink. Yeah. But in Technicolor, they just need yellow, cyan, and magenta. Yeah. And when those three combine, when they're all stacked one on top of the other, that makes black. Yeah. But that's what they did. They shot three different strips of film. They're all black and white yeah. film. And then they put it through a process where so they've got filters on the film so that one of the strips of black film only sees the yellow image. Mm. One of them only sees the magenta image. And one of them is the, 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 the cyan color of the image. Then they put this film through this special chemical, mm. and it literally makes the film raise up. It, it kind of it kind of swells up right where that particular mm. color is. Yeah. So it's like it's bumpy there. I'm not making this up. No, like it's then true. they they run that strip of film with the raised magenta, yellow, or cyan image through yellow, magenta, or cyan ink or dye. 
And then they press it against a completely clear strip of plastic. And first they put on one, you know, so maybe first yellow goes on, then they run it through again, and now the magenta goes on, then they run it through again. Now the cyan goes on. That's how they made Technicolor, which is why it's called Technicolor, because it's literally technical. Color. In case people have missed David's last appearances on the show, he does have a, a, a awesome background in filmmaking and all that too. So you know your stuff. Well, <laughs> see, yeah, how I t- see how I tell you it yes. blows your mind? Yeah. Like, but, uh, think of guys, what film versus I, digital. I am unfortunate. <laughs> we have to wrap the show. We are running way over time. Uh, thank you guys so much thank for coming you, in here thank and you, breaking man. this all down. Again, everyone can catch David every Tuesday on Grand Fork's Best Source on Hidden Agenda each and every Tuesday. Thank you again, David, so much for coming in here My and pleasure. just and, and just bringing it like you always do. Thank you, sir. And Victor, again, you brought it like you always do. Very, very much appreciate it. Paul, thank you for bringing up the topic for making this happen. Very, very cool. Very, very glad that uh, you that this we're able to do this and make this what happen. A Thanksgiving, this yes. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yes, happy Thanksgiving indeed. Happy yes. early Thanksgiving to everyone. We welcome you to join us live for all future episodes on our new schedule every other Wednesday at one p.m on gfbestsource.com find all past episodes as as mentioned earlier by searching gfbs wherever you find podcasts and uh again many thanks to victor thank you guys and remember have a happy and safe holiday and remember for all who are flying please be safe too Mm -hmm. many thanks to special guest david waterman thank you very much dale my pleasure many special thanks to forever thankful producer paul We'll give them the crowd clap there. (laughs) All right. Uh, Join us in two weeks where we have another special episode. We'll be having our special second annual Christmas-themed episode. We'll be covering Christmas movies. I got another special guest. Uh, I'll fill you in with the details after. We'll be covering like four recent Christmas movies, even new releases, uh, and maybe even more. It's going to be an awesome Christmas special in two weeks. Until then, have a safe and happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We'll see you in two weeks. Goodbye. See you later.